You're listening to RGV Titan Radio. We are the 956. The views and opinions expressed by our guests, hosts, and or DJs do not, we repeat, do not reflect the official policy or position of RGV Titan Radio, our affiliates, or our sponsors. RGVTitanRadio.com. We are the 956. to the movie know-it-all podcast here on rgv titan radio we are the 956 we are your hosts i am will and i'm bob let me ask you a question bro would you give a man a foot massage fuck you because <laughs> <laughs> my feet are really hurting fuck you yes that's right ladies and gentlemen we are going to be doing today we're going to be covering the quite possibly the greatest movie ever freaking made by the legendary filmmaker that everybody knows everybody loves and some people hate quentin freaking tarantino man the legend the master the the guy who deserves all the accolades but doesn't seek it, unlike some other other filmmakers I know. Yeah, really though, man. Like <laughs> I've I've never understood the whole like you're causing violence. Like no, he's not. There were yeah. wars before Tarantino ever fucking picked up a camera. So maybe shut up about that. It's so funny because like as great of a director, as great of a storyteller, as great of a scriptwriter as Tarantino is, he is firmly grounded. Mm-hmm. In the uh, in in what inspired him as a child, what he grew up watching, what he grew up uh, surrounding himself with in terms of uh, uh, like movies and music and everything, like none of this stuff came out from from you know out of the air, dude. Like he grew up with this stuff. I would love to sit and look at his movie collection. I imagine it's immensely ridiculous. So there was a story that he met with RZA to uh, to to talk about the because he wanted RZA to do the soundtrack for uh, for Kill Bill, yeah. and RZA ended up staying for like 15, 16 hours. Them just sitting there in Tarantino's uh, personal home theater and watching old kung fu movies. That's awesome. Because RZA knows more about those kung fu movies than Tarantino does and Tarantino wouldn't, Tarantino wouldn't let him leave <laughs> I believe it I fucking I firmly believe it like, yeah you see a lot of that shit you hear a lot of it in Wu-Tang too man like oh yeah man like I, I'm I'm a hardcore Wu-Tang fan dude so I, I guess I guess that's one of the reasons why Tarantino kind of kind of spoke to me at such an early age when I started watching his movies uh, like that. those those uh, those sensibilities were straight up uh, in line with what Wu-Tang sensibilities were I, I fucking like I watched um, Reservoir Dogs first. The first Tarantino movie I ever saw was Reservoir Dogs. Uh-huh. And I remember uh, it's the first movie I ever saw where there was no good guy. Yeah. Like, I'd never seen a movie without a good guy before mm-hmm. until I saw Reservoir Dogs. And I thought it was the most like interesting thing on the planet to have so many like bad guys come together and yeah. like them not trust each other. Because you, technically yeah. your good guy is, well, I mean, I'm not going to spoil it if you haven't seen it but like watch reservoir dogs well i'll i'll just i'll just say it right now man uh harvey Keitel is probably the best guy in that movie 
and even then he's a bad guy. Yeah, but he's I a bad he's a cold blooded killer in yeah, that movie. They, you know? they fucking show you when the cops come after them, he just starts executing people. <laughs> yep, like, straight without up without fucking effort. But like you root for him, you root for him, and you root for a couple of other characters also. But I'm not gonna spoil it because like like that twist is so beautifully crafted. Like I love it so much. It's made so um, well, dude. Like, yeah, Reservoir Dogs is so fucking good and like such an interesting fucking film. And I was like seven or eight when I watched that movie. Yeah, like, I was like as fuck when I watched Reservoir Dogs. Like that was one of those movies that I felt. The, there was so much cussing that I shouldn't be watching it. <laughs> yeah. Like, too much cussing in a movie made me nervous. Uh-huh. Like, I felt like my mom was going to get pissed. Yeah. But I, was like, just, I was just, like, waiting for my TV to explode when I first saw that movie. Like, yeah. like it, it's like, how are they How are they allowed to get away with all this? You know? Yeah. Like, there was a lot of, like, holy shit, man. Yeah. I'm like, I got away with a lot of shit in that yeah. movie. But, so uh, I, go ahead. No, I was going to say, so I was, like kind of excited to see Pulp Fiction. I remember when that one in Jurassic Park were in theaters, I was much more interested in seeing Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Like, and that was strictly because I had already seen Broken Arrow and I wanted to see Travolta in another action movie. <laughs> Broken Arrow, man. I remember Broken Arrow with Christian Okay, Twitter. so that movie stands out to me because it has, to me, it has the same problem uh, that movies like, uh, like Little Rascals has. Like, okay. the sound... Oh, was, was just like way off. Like you know what I'm talking about. Like, yeah, it 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 doesn't set the movie doesn't sound right. It's a good movie. The audio quality is kind of fucked in it. And John yeah. Travolta, John Travolta is is just brilliant. Just like over the top brilliant. I I love John Travolta and Broken Arrow, but like that that movie just. Um, it it hurt my ears. <laughs> and Howie Halftime Show Long is in it, man. Howie Long, dude, he's actually intimidating. Yeah, I was like, Howie Long is actually pretty, like, kind of scary as a bad guy. Remember <laughs> when he tried to become a movie star? <laughs> God, unfortunately. You know what makes me, like, really laugh about that? Um, is I really saw him as a villain in that movie. Yeah, like, I, really I really good. saw him as a bad guy in Broken Arrow because he was a really good like henchman. Yeah, and then like it took me a very long time of watching football to like, okay, Howie Long's not a bad guy. Like, yeah, <laughs> like Howie, like, he's 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 such a little teddy bear. He runs on batteries. Yeah, I'm sure he does actually. Like, yeah. I'm eighty percent certain he runs on batteries. Yeah, so. Uh, like what we do in every episode uh, before we get into the meat and potatoes of the of the show uh we want to talk about a little bit about uh the kind of stuff that we watched this past week um it's what we took in entertainment wise uh, i want to get started real quick because i have i have a lot to talk about um i was finally able to i went on a binge this past mm. week dude like uh before we went on our little vacation, we went on a binge and we just watched a bunch of movies uh i actually watched finally watched Cruella. Oh, what'd you think? Uh, which I gotta tell you, man. Like, I'm a, I'm an Emma Stone fan. I, I am an Emma Stone advocate. Uh, I find her charming. I find her cool. I think she's extremely talented. Uh, I don't find her attractive in the least, though. But <laughs> in this movie, like, she just like she went all out, and I appreciated every single minute of it. She's I love the story that they told, um, and uh, I. I I kind of want this to be a standalone movie. Like I, I do don't, too. I don't want to see 101 Dalmatians after watching this. I don't you either. Know? Like, cause they set it up at the end. Like, yeah. Up, like they're moving on to 101 Dalmatians, and I'm like, what for? 
Yeah. Like, you don't need to. Like, don't. Like, I know which you're, you're... Which doesn't make any sense to me because... Okay, so one of their it's, dogs it's was... Disney, pregnant, right? they're soulless. They're cash grabbers. Like, I understand, but... No, like, I, fuck, I, you... I get that, but, like... So, at the end of the movie, and spoiler alert, uh, if, if you guys haven't seen it yet, um, it's been out for a while, so, you know, whatever, but... At the end of the movie, uh, she takes in the, uh, uh, the the Dalmatians, and one of them is pregnant. Mm-hmm. So she gives the puppies to uh, to Mary and uh, what's what's the guy's name? The piano player guy. Right? I forget. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's heavily hinted that those two are the ones that meet and they get married and their dogs have puppies, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So doesn't it mean that those two dogs are siblings? Yes. But dogs um, are stupid. Um, what? Okay. No, no, that, that, that means they're purebred. No, fuck's sake. Oh, you, oh, yeah. Ancient Egyptian purebred. Okay, I get it. Okay. <laughs> Ancient Egyptian purebred. Yeah, because like we all know what that means, man. That's uh, a nice like, way of saying cousins. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's that's a South Carolina purebred, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but anyway, dude. Uh, okay. Um. I, I guess if Emma Stone comes back and the director comes back and everybody who's responsible for that movie comes back, um, I'll give it a shot. Sure, I'll give it a shot. Yeah, I won't uh, pay thirty dollars, but sure. No, and uh, but you know I'll, I'll I'll give it a shot because I love this movie so much. It's so damn good. It's good. It's really Emma Thompson. Good. Emma Thomas. Tom Thompson or Thomas. Thompson, I, I think. Thompson. Emma Thompson, dude. Ooh, she's doing her best, uh, um, her Meryl? best uh, uh, Meryl Streep impersonation. Yeah, and Big she pulls time. it off, dude. She pulls it off. God damn it. That's why I, I, I remember when we were talking about, uh, I forgot what movie we were doing. It was one of the Nicolas Cage movies when I mentioned that I watched it. And I was like, see, they could have given that role to Meryl Streep. But that's just too easy. That's just too easy, like, man. Yeah. Like it was. I was like, that's like, yeah. I mean, you clearly wrote it for her. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's clear as day that this guy had Meryl Streep in mind when he was writing this. Yeah. But like, but I, I, I like that movie a lot, man. It's a very yeah. good movie. It was way more, way, it was one of those, like, see, that's fucking Disney. Yeah. Like, like that's good Disney, man. Like, I haven't seen good Disney in a good long while. But you know what they did? They probably gave the reins to the director and just let her do what she wanted. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they didn't they didn't stop her. They didn't, like, you know. And from uh, what I understand, like, Emma Stone fought for a lot of different things in that movie. Really? Like, I imagine it was very, like, a very cold and empty film at first. But, like, there was people who gave a shit and wanted it to be, like, good. Yeah. Because there's real effort in this film. And I I have a feeling that uh, the majority of the effort most certainly did not come from Disney. Yeah. Like, it feels like it came from everybody else who was trying to make a good Disney movie. And they did. Like, Cruella is fucking cool. It's fun. But see, that's I think that's why I liked it so much is that it didn't come across as a Disney Disney movie. Yeah, it came across as oh my god, uh, the director was a uh, Craig Gillespie. Um, it didn't come across as a Disney movie. It came across as a as an independent film. Yeah, you know that it did, and I think that's what was so good about it. Mm. So, I uh, I followed that up with um with black widow oh i haven't watched that yet how is that 
Um, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you one thing, man. I'll tell you one thing. Mm. Um, it's a very, it's a very well-made movie. Is it? It's very well-made. Um, uh, Scarlett Johansson, uh, she's a very, very good actress. She really is. Mm. And the best scenes in this movie are with her and, and, uh, Florence Pugh and, and the rest of the family, dude. Like those are the best scenes in this movie because everybody is like just a phenomenal actor, dude. Really? Like everybody is so damn good in this movie, dude. Mm. The action scenes kind of went a little overboard. Really? Especially the finale. Oh well. Especially yeah, the Marvel. finale. They threw so much money towards the end. <laughs> you know? When I, the whole- I think the, the problem is is that Marvel's going to forever like um try to relive that Avengers Assemble moment. Mm-hmm. Um and like I, I don't uh I'm not a fan of Endgame. Uh-huh. I, I, I didn't care for it because uh, it's the same old problems that all the Marvel movies have had. I was like, oh, great. Now they're going back in time to fight themselves. Like, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Like, I always tell I tell everybody the same thing. I'm like, who's the who's the bad guy in a Marvel movie? Each other. They're always fighting each other. <laughs> yeah. I'm so sick of it. Like, at least Batman and Superman had one fucking fight. Fight me. Fuck you. I don't care. Yeah. But, yeah. like... It, it 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 always kind of gets on my nerves that they're always like fighting each other. I'm like, I, oh god, like I get it, and like that was my problem with Endgame. But that moment at the end where everybody like comes back and like fucking uh, Cap picks up Mjolnir, like that shit is dope. Like it is yeah. the fucking coolest, and like it's, it's it built it up, it built up, and it earned that. It scene. earned that ending, and yeah. I think the the problem is is that the, after that, they're fr- and I even said it, I was like, you're never gonna be able to do that again, like <laughs> never in your fucking life, no. like will you ever be able to pull that shit off again? Maybe, maybe, and I stress the word maybe, you mm. might pull off a pretty cool version of it with X Men. Yeah. Like you might and like well, well what they're doing with uh, with Loki and yeah. from what I hear uh, Sam Raimi is doing with Doctor Strange and they're doing with the Spider-Man movie uh-huh. I think they're gonna find a way to to to, to move forward and I, I don't know if they'll top it but they'll come damn close with what they're setting up especially I'm sure they Loki. will I'm especially sure they will Loki man because um, like they, they they built up they they built and built and built for that big Avengers Assemble moment and like yeah. it was very cool. Like I'll give it that. Like the whole movie's worth watching. The whole thing is worth watching just for the ending. Yeah. Um, but like they they peaked with Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Like once they did once they did that story and they had the the balls to end it the <laughs> way they did. I was like, there, yeah, fucking there you go. Like, they're and it picking was one it of, back up, though, dude. They're picking it back they, up, and 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 I haven't um, watched um, any of the shows. I haven't watched like WandaVision or Falcon and the Winter Soldier or Loki, and like I need to like check those out. There's uh, a character. There's a character in uh, um, in uh, Black Widow that actually makes her debut in that. Like chronologically, she's mm-hmm. supposed to first show up in Black Widow and then her appearance in Falcon and the Winter Soldier was supposed to be the big surprise. Okay. 
Um, I still got. I, like I said, I gotta watch it. Um, I, I, you know me, man. I've never been too big into the the Marvel universe. Like, yeah. Like even as a kid, the comics never did a whole lot for me. Uh, I've always, always, that. always, I've always been a DC guy. Like, yeah, it's aimed it, towards a younger audience. It's 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 a little it's a little less mature than the DC is, or at least the DC is trying to be. Uh, what Zack Snyder was trying yeah. with? Yeah, I was I was gonna say, well, some of us are trying, but <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, man. And also, uh, real quick to wrap it up uh, on my end, at least, uh, I saw the Long Halloween, the animated movie. Oh, uh, part that one. That one's good. Did you watch it? Yes. Oh my <laughs> god, I was gonna mention that. Like. Yeah. I saw. Uh, I finally saw the Long Halloween. Like, woo! So I think Jensen Ackles is like uh, coming really close to becoming the definitive Batman yeah. generation. He's very Conroy, dude. Like, yeah. his Bat voice is great. Like, it's really and it's funny because like you hear him talk on Supernatural, he doesn't come across that way at all. No, not at all. His Batman voice close. is very different. Yeah, like, I don't know how he does it, man. That's one of the I don't hear it at all. He's been he's been practicing that for yeah. years. Yeah. No goddamn way. Because he's a great Red Hood. Yeah. And under the Red Hood, he's fantastic, but like he's not using that voice. No. Like his Batman voice is very different and it's very like, ooh, that's Batman. Yeah. Like I would not want to hear that voice in the dark. Like <laughs> that would scare the shit out of me. Like, I smoke album. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I, I smoke entirely too much marijuana. I commit entirely too many <laughs> petty crimes in the dark to have a voice like that, like call yeah. out to me. like, no, sir. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like, I'll go to jail. Don't splinter my bones. Like, holy shit. I would rather go to jail. <laughs> so, like, I've heard I've heard Troy Baker uh, play the Joker in video games and, and in other other DC movies and stuff. There's a wonderful I Hamlin. He Hamill, he, he does a great Mark Hamill, but like he's like I I honestly believe that they need to move away. if they can't get Mark Hamill, don't do Mark Hamill. I agree. I you like know? Troy Baker, but I agree. I love Troy Baker, dude. He's a phenomenal uh, voice actor. He needs to do his own thing, and he is capable, way more capable. Hey, hang on, I I, I think one of my deliveries is here. Give me a minute. Hang on a second. Oh snap! Okay, okay. So, uh, yeah, man, this is what we do, man. We, we, we order stuff online and we get, <laughs> we get deliveries. Let's see what we got right here live on, on the, uh, on the show, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to see if, uh, Bobo got his, got his package. Oh, he did. He did. <laughs> What'd you get, dude? He's coming. He's sitting down. Oh, this is very exciting. This is very exciting, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. My poor okay. wife can hear nothing. She's in the kitchen with her headphones on. Oh, my God. Dude, I know the excitement, dude. I know the I, excitement of, of I, getting a package. Yes, dude. <laughs> like, I've been and it's all waiting. hot from being outside. It's all warm. Yeah. <laughs> I was all, I was all, I was been, I've been waiting for this motherfucker. Yeah. Like, We're having sorry, a, folks. Uh, an audio. We're having an, uh, well, what's it called? ASMR unboxing. Right, right now, on the movie. Sorry, program. sorry, folks. I've been uh, collecting DC multiverse figures for a while now, and it was supposed to just be one. Will, uh, like, I yeah, it's like, it's like it's like free to lay, man. You can't just eat just one. I guess not. Let's see here. Ah. 
give it to me now. Oh, there it is. Completing everything. The Batman who laughs in package, in box. The Batman who laughs with Sky Tyrant wings. Ooh, nice. If, ladies and gentlemen, if you do not know who the Batman who laughs is, uh, do a quick a Google image search and you will see the awesomeness that is the Batman, the Batman who laughs. laughs. It's fucking oh nice God, pickup. A- Congrats, man. Nice pickup. Thanks, man. What a beautiful figure. Uh Wow. You know what's so funny is that, like, that's how all this fucking started was I wanted this figure. I bought the other one. I bought the regular Batman Who Laughs. It's the first DC multiverse figure I ever bought just because I wanted a Batman Who Laughs. And I bought it for 20 bucks. And when I came home and I opened it and I was going to display it, I was like, man, are these all built this way? Like, yeah. Nominally. And then I bought a Superman and now I've got the entire death metal wave uh, or the entire um, metal wave. I just need the torso to complete my merciless and everything's complete. McFarlane's got his shit together, dude. Like for real. Yeah, I, I was I was wondering too. I was like, I wonder if the fucking thing's gonna show up while I'm on the podcast. <laughs> of course it is. And sure enough. <laughs> Yeah, it showed up. My poor wife has no idea. She's like been waiting for it to come in, and she's in the kitchen with headphones on. <laughs> has no idea. <laughs> Answered the door, but um, yeah, man. Um, long Halloween. Long Halloween. Like, so I know where I speak of the Batman, and he shows up. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, like Big I, titty, I, beautiful women don't fall out of the sky, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I, I maintain that you're right about the Troy Baker thing. Like I, I really like Troy Baker, but like. There needs to be a different um, iteration of it. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm excited to see what they do with um, the new Batman animated series that's coming out on HBO. Uh, they're going to be continuing the actual animated series from '94. So Kevin Conroy is back again as Batman. Um, but from how the- many times did they say that they that they were done with it? <laughs> God, they've been saying it since Arkham Asylum. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but like they um, they they uh, they've made mention that the villain for the first season is going to be the Batman who laughs, and I'm really rather curious as to who's going to be the voice for that. If they're going to do Kevin Conroy like voicing the Batman like does that mean we're gonna get the Grim Knight and the Red Death and the Merciless and the Drowned and like all the other evil iterations of Batman like are we I gonna do would have to dude like are we gonna do the actual like that Dark Knight's metal story like am I gonna get the Darkest Knight like all that shit and I'm I'm really hyped I'm excited to see what they do with it mm-hmm. Um, but like again, I, I'm ready for a new Joker voice. I appreciate Troy Baker uh, doing his damnedest to mm-hmm. fucking. And he pulls it off. Don't get me wrong. Like, he no, pulls he it does off, a but... great job. Yeah, he does but, an amazing job. But if it's not Mark Hamill, dude, like you, you gotta, you gotta uh, go for something else, dude. Yeah, I was like, because he's not because Jensen Eccles is not doing Kevin Conroy. Conroy. No, he's he's not. doing his own thing. He's really fucking great, man. Like. Yeah. I got to see that this week. Um, I saw this movie that I have been trying to watch for a good while now uh, called Take Shelter, starring um, uh, Michael Shannon and Jessica Chastain. Oh, uh, good cast. Yeah, I had the DVD. A lot. It came out in like 2011. Uh, I bought the DVD 
at a pawn shop and uh for whatever reason the audio just didn't work like i tried it on a couple yeah i tried it on a couple dvd players it's just a defunct dvd Uh, and the audio wasn't on it so i never got a chance to watch it but i caught that it was on prime uh so i watched it uh last night and i gotta tell you um fairly long film uh it can get really really draggy Mm-hmm. Um, but acting wise, like Michael Shannon is channeling his inner Jack Nicholson. Like it is the slow descent of madness and it's done in a really, really interesting way. Like it's about this guy who's having visions of this giant storm that's coming. And like the visuals of the storm are really freaky like he has nightmares about the storm and um he decides to build a storm shelter at the cost of everything like no matter what happens he has to build this storm shelter and like it's worth watching for the acting like the story in itself gets a little like now get to the fucking point (laughs) michael shannon and jessica chastain are so good at that whole everything's fine like attitude when things are clearly not fine um very cool very fun interesting movie um i let me take that back i wouldn't necessarily call it fun but very cool movie um totally worth the watch it's it's long and and like I don't know if you'll like the story. I don't know if anybody will like the story because the story kind of drags on. To give you the ending that you kind of wanted, mm-hmm. but don't really get. You get you get the ending that you're like, you get a definitive ending. You know what I mean? You get an. It takes actual, a long like, way around, huh? It, it just takes a long mm-hmm. time to get there, but it's never dull. Like everybody's like. Michael Shannon is so good. Like, he's so fucking good. It's so, like, it's always, oh, watching him, like, slowly lose his mind in something. And this is no exception. Uh, I've been watching that. I watched that, and I've been watching um, Better Call Saul, or as I am now calling it, how Walter White ruined everything. Like it, it, it kind of like goes that way, huh? Well, like these were just people who were trying to get under, out from under the thumb of the cartel, and Walter White just showed up and screwed everything up. Like, it kind of makes Walter White even more of a villain. Like, better, better, <laughs> better call Saul only solidifies what a piece of shit Walter White is. That's yeah. all it does. Like. <laughs> They really should have fucking called this show Better Call Mike because the Mike Ehrmantraut story is so much more interesting. Isn't than it? Saul's. I really like Saul's story, but Saul's story is all drama. Wait, where, like, where are you? Where, where are you at in the in the series? Uh, I am. I'm right after the house fire. Uh, that's the uh, that's the second season. No, that's like four. I'm in like four? season four already. Oh, okay. Oh, and so so then you're pretty much caught up. Okay. I think so. Like yeah, I'm pretty, pretty much because I think no. I think there are, there are five seasons if I'm not mistaken. Hmm. I have no idea. Excuse me. Either way, um, it's good. 
it's interesting. It's fun seeing uh, characters that like you only get glimpses of in Breaking mm-hmm. Bad. Mm-hmm. Um, my only, re- <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, my only real problem with the show is that um, quite literally, so many people have gained and lost weight, and we're just supposed to like ignore it. Yeah. Um, and like I, the big I'm, dude, what's his name? The big dude, Huel, the guy who Huel, played yeah. Huel, lost yeah. like three hundred pounds. Yeah, he lost a lot of weight, and this is supposed to. So, like between this and Breaking Bad, he gained like three hundred pounds of fat. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, the the guy, uh, Gus's henchman, the the guy who got the box cutter, and uh, the dude who came after that. Yeah, the the black guy who came after that. Yeah. Uh, both of those guys got dad fat. Um, <laughs> like you can tell they had they had kids. Yeah. And they've been like catching a couple finger scoops of fucking like <laughs> baby food. Yeah. Like because they gained some weight. Uh, even in El Camino, the guy who played Todd like looks like the dude who ate Todd and absorbed his powers. And like I don't, and I'm not like well, in, in, in his res- like, in in, uh, in his defense, he he uh, he did marry Kirsten Dunst and have a kid with Kirsten Dunst. So yeah, I'd probably relax too. Yeah, uh, <laughs> like, I, you know what? I'm good. I'm done. Like I'm, 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 I, I ain't gotta do shit. I'm calling it the Breaking Bad fat. <laughs> Everybody got like fat cash after this because I re- <laughs> I remember really vividly, especially here in the Valley. A lot of those dudes came for autograph signings. Yeah. Like yeah. Everybody, if you were on Breaking Bad... And they Bad, got a taste of the Valley food and they got hooked. Yeah, dude, even from like what I understand, the guys who play the Salamanca twins... Yeah. Like, they were in Laredo, and like one of my friends was out there, and he said that those guys were having a blast with like everyone and everything. They were partying with anybody that wanted to party with them. I bet, man. And like, yeah, they're bet. living it up. And I and I get that. You go to these cons and everybody's buying you food and paying you money to fucking take pictures. Like, you live it up for a little bit. Even fucking, what's his name? And everybody's uh, buying you beer. And yeah. Buying, you and fu- fucking um, Aaron Paul said a long time ago, uh, when they do those Hollywood tours, he would run out every now and again and bring people like Gatorades and waters and like come take pictures with everybody and he said and when they asked him why he was cool about that and why he did that he goes well because one day that guy's not going to stop here because yeah. nobody's going to care anymore mm-hmm. like no one's going to care like i'm never going to do anything bigger than breaking bad like yeah. he's been right so far yeah and like it, 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 i get it you know what i mean like i'm not fat shaming nobody or anything like that it's just one of those things where we, like, we shouldn't talk <laughs> yeah fuck no i'm not talking I, shit. I, I shouldn't talk i shouldn't talk either <laughs> it's just, it's just one of those things where like you see it and it's like god damn that's so fucking funny like homeboy gained weight yeah like it's a trip but the show in itself is so good and it's so interesting and they introduce so many of the characters that you've already like come to love and breaking bad and they make them oh so much cooler like better call saul only solidifies how cool these characters were and how interesting their stories were um like i said they take a do they do take a lot of proclivities like excuse me the little girl who's playing um kaylee mike's granddaughter um 
is older in Better Call Saul than she is in Breaking Bad. <laughs> yeah. It's obviously an older kid. Uh, it's still funny, but like she, it's, she 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 got that Benjamin Button disease. They don't know what's called yet. <laughs> I guess not. But <laughs> all, all, all that being said, still a very cool show. Um, yeah. Michael McKeon uh, is an amazing piece of shit in this. In this show. <laughs> uh, like, never underestimate oh, that guy's ability to be a piece of shit in a movie or a yeah. show. Because, like, oh my god. On one hand, like you feel sorry for him, but on the other hand, he like he 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 disgustingly uses his his uh, his uh, disability against his brother in like I, the worst kind of way. I felt sorry for him for a grand total of like six episodes. Other yeah. than that, like he's a piece of shit. Yeah, like mental illness be damned. A piece of shit yeah. is a piece of shit. Yeah, you could still be <laughs> mentally sick and, and and you know be a piece of shit. Well, he's yeah. not he's not mentally sick. Uh, he's he like he's physically he, sick, but he's mentally he's ill. In the fact, the way he treats not, his brother, he's not physically sick. He has uh, schizophrenia. Yeah, he has paranoid delusionary schizophrenia, and like, I I I like I have remorse for people who are like that far gone, but like he never stops being a piece of shit. Like yeah. ever once does he stop? Like I hate him, and it's. It's sad to watch Jimmy McGill become Saul Goodman. Mm -hmm. And it's so fascinating to watch how and why he becomes this way. Because he starts off a really straight and narrow lawyer. Uh -huh. Like, he's very by the books. And this is one of those shows, much like how um, I explained about Spiral, where they kind of show you that in order to be a lawyer... You cannot be all good. Yeah. Like, you cannot always be the good guy. Mm -hmm. You have to defend bad guys, too. And, like, even bad people have rights. Like, I get it. Um, and Bob Odenkirk is, fuck, is he so good. Like, it's yeah. so good to watch him really thrive as this character. So I'm looking forward to finishing it. Uh, I've been really, really, like, super caught on that. Yeah. Um, other than that, I've just been watching, like, a fuck ton of wrestling. Like, Dude, I I, uh, I watched Money in the Bank uh, yeah. last week. Dude, oh, God, dude. I'm freaking hooked again, man. Like, I, I'll, like I'll that, tell you. That, that pay-per-view was so freaking good. I was, oh, it's annoying. <laughs> I, was fair, I was fairly impressed by how good Money in the Bank was. Um, some of the things didn't make any sense to me like i was mad disappointed uh with nikki cross winning the the money in the bank briefcase ash yeah almost superhero yeah um but uh her husband's not wrong uh they just fired her husband big demo he's going by killian dane in nxt um and he had said you want to survive in that company pitch a comedy act like pitch a comedy act to your boss yeah and so like what what will work best for her i i know the, you know the going from the nikki cross character uh, the, like the insane the uh the insanity uh chick they, they should have kept god that was such a good character i want to see her in that again like i i 
what I was really hoping that they would do, because uh, they, you know, spoiler alert if you give a shit, she's already cashed in her money in the bank briefcase. She's the oh, women's really? champion. Yeah, she won on Monday. Oh, really? She came out the very next night and cashed in on, on Charlotte and won. And oh. that's, and that, for me, I have anyway, to watch Raw. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, Raw hates you. Uh, Raw hates you. <laughs> so I've me. heard. So I've Raw, heard. Raw hates, like, Vince McMahon hates us. Um, the only thing that's been really, like, consistently really good for the longest time uh, has been NXT. And he, on Monday, definitively let everybody know, I don't give a fuck about NXT or your storylines over there. He doesn't. Um, he took the NXT world champion and Karrion Cross, who's been booked like a monster. He's been eating people alive just murder fucking his opponents like <laughs> murder fucking <laughs> he, dude it's been brutal to watch him like it took him fighting four other dudes for them to get any offense on him and he still won definitively choked out one of them like they've booked him to perfection he lost to jeff hardy on monday night to a roll-up with jeff hardy putting his feet on the ropes that's his All first right. loss in WWE. Okay, he's I'm still done. the NXT champion. Okay, I'm done. Yeah, that's and, uh, that's very fr- that's very infuriating. By and way. from like what uh, from the dirt sheets and everything, they're pretty much saying that that was Vince McMahon saying, "I don't give a fuck about NXT. Stop whining." Like when I I NXT is a bank. I put m- I invest money into it. I get wrestlers. Like that's yeah. all it is to him. And just the, just the dirt leagues to him. And and I'll tell you, if you want to watch really, really, really good, fun, entertaining wrestling, might I suggest Wednesday night's Dynamite? Like AEW is killing it lately. Really? Like AEW is. That's because you were talking shit about AEW a while back. Because they were doing everything wrong. They were. They were absolutely doing everything wrong. And here's the thing, and I was right. I said I think the problem is that they listen to the fans. And there are no fans. There are none. Because the second they got them back, everything started going right again. Uh, like the story started taking a really, really interesting turn. Whether they like, because for me, I've been sitting here going like, dude, the fruit is so low. You don't pick it. You just kick it. You don't have to pick the fruit. Just kick the fucking fruit off the vine. It's hanging so low. Yeah. Like the stories are there. Like you guys can see this, can't you? Well, it wasn't until the fans came back and they're roaring that Tony Khan seems to have like, okay, they do want this. Yeah. And he's going with it. And like, I'll tell you, man, I, I watch Monday Night Raw. I have been an avid watcher of Monday Night Raw. I've lived through the Cena era. Uh, I've been through the good, the bad, and everything in between. I was there before the Attitude Era. I'm here long after. Um... It has been a long time since I have been fully entertained by a Monday Night Raw. Uh, a very long time. So long, in fact, I can't remember the last Raw that entertained me from beginning to end. But the past few weeks of... Kurt Wednesday Angle Night- showing up with a milk truck. <laughs> that was great. But um, as of late, AEW has been what's like, holy fuck is this entertaining. And then last night, uh, it was announced that Daniel Bryan is now all elite. Brian Danielson, I should say. Yeah. And from what I understand, that shocked me. That was that's amazing. 
But like you'd think that Vince McMahon would stop trusting these motherfuckers when they say they just need some time off. <laughs> like, don't listen. They're going to AEW. Like, dude, he's not using any of these guys. Like, well, what the what the, what what's the point? Like, he's not using any of them. I, I agree. It's not like he's gonna miss them. <laughs> I agree. He brought back Keith Lee on Monday night too, uh, who hasn't been on TV since January. Um. And you're, I'm thinking like, oh, wow, they're finally going to do something with him. No, he lost too. And I'm like, wow, six months for him to just lose again. Yeah. Okay. Like, I'm done with Raw. Like, I, I hate it. Like, I can't I, – I have been humanly incapable of enjoying a Raw for a good long while. Like, but it's only because, like, in the 90s, it was like, okay, we're going to focus on the entertainment part of WWE. And then in the early aughts – they're like, okay, we're going to start focusing on the wrestling part of WWE. And now they don't fucking care about either. They don't know what's going on. Like, Vince <laughs> McMahon is so, so set in his, like, you'll be back on Monday's ways. And he's right that he doesn't care about the product anymore. Like, the product is so bad. Um, it's, it's 1999, 2000 WCW bad. Yeah. Like, it, it's it's embarrassing. It really is. It's it's a sad sight to fucking watch. And um Yeah, man. AEW's been killing it as of late though. Like if you want to get that old school like this is fun feeling, like watch Dynamite. I've been blown away as of late. I will I will definitely because uh, I, I, I want to get back into wrestling. I really do, but I need to find I need to find the right place to just start. And I think I'm gonna actually since I don't have cable, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to uh, find a way to watch those uh those uh um, dynamite shows. Yeah, I only but, I only, I only watch it because my apartment comes with internet and spectrum TV. So like I ah, get, I gotcha. I, I get cable, I have basic cable mm-hmm. and like I, I watched it on Wednesdays, and but like, man, I'll tell you, like, uh, when I move, I'm gonna have to get basic cable. Like, I'm gonna <laughs> need TNT. Yeah. So, uh, what do you say? Uh, speaking of wrestling, man, what do you say we get to the main event uh, of this episode oh, and yeah. uh, talk about the freaking juggernaut that yeah, is sure. Quinn Tarantino and my number one all-time favorite movie, Pulp freaking fiction i find it so difficult to argue with people who say that's their favorite movie yeah hang on one second i mean uh tarantino oh, tarantino geez. tarantino has made better movies oh yeah he really has yes oh, but but for my money and for for anybody else um who's just looking for for like quite possibly in my opinion the most one of the most perfect movies ever made like, I, I remember, I remember, um, like taking film class mm-hmm. and them saying, you want to read a perfect script, uh, either read Pulp Fiction or Back to the Future. Yeah, most like, definitely. I was going to say, like, I argue Back to the Future is, is one of the most perfect scripts ever. Yeah. You know, and, and it's true. Like I've written scripts, I've shot movies, I've, I've done all that. And yes, the Pulp Fiction shooting script is, is perfect. And everything, uh, everything is on the screen, man. And it's, yeah. and it's tight and it runs a tight two hours and 20 minutes. Yeah. Tight. You don't feel it. No. You don't feel how long it is. There's so yeah. much happening. And like, uh, it makes me laugh because somebody, um, 
on YouTube a long time ago. I'm sure it's been removed now because I'm sure Miramax like, I'll fucking fist fuck you. Um, somebody recut Pulp Fiction in chronological order. Yeah. And it does not work. No, it doesn't. It absolutely does not flow. It doesn't and work. It's, it's fascinating because like nothing's changed. Like they, they just cut it in the order that it's supposed to be in. Uh-huh. And it doesn't feel like a good movie at all. No, it, it's, it's super it, weird. It, it's it's funny because like Tarantino described Pulp Fiction as this. This is a movie about evil and vindication of evil. Right? So if you start out, because chronologically this movie uh, starts with uh, Vincent Vega and uh, um, and technically uh, it starts with Honey with Honey Bunny and Pumpkin. Well, that's 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 uh, um, that's the beginning of the movie, but chronologically, right. it starts yeah. with Vincent Vega talking to Marcellus Wallace, right, and uh, Bruce Willis's character, yeah. right. But see, you don't get the impact of the character if you start out with that. Right, like you, not need, at all. You, need to, you need to set up the tone, and the tone, and, and the scene with with uh, with uh, um, with uh, what's his name, um, Pongo and Honey Bunny, pumpkin, they, yeah. pumpkin and Honey Bunny. Like that scene perfectly sets the tone, and and like what these characters are, you know. Right, right. And it does That's it fucking... so perfectly. Amanda Plummer and and uh, Tim um, Roth, man. Tim Roth, dude. Like they, they are so perfect in these roles. I fucking adore Amanda Plummer. Like <laughs> she's she's so good at that whole demure to psycho dichotomy. Yep. And like I don't think any I really don't think anybody's done it as well as her since since the nineties. Like I don't see anybody going that that demure to over the top psychotic yeah. the way she did. She's so good in um so I, so I married an axe murderer. So I married an axe murderer. I fucking she's in one of my all time favorite episodes of Tales from the Crypt, uh, uh, where she pretty much does the same thing. She goes from this quiet, calm, demure person to this axe murderer. Um, <laughs> I fucking love it. She was she's so good, dude. Uh, I want Amanda Plummer in more stuff. Yeah, but and she's cute as hell man like and she's, same, she just this, she just comes across as as uh like this this when she wants to she yeah. comes across as this harmless you know like like woman who you know will 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 you know make you a sandwich or something you know and then pat you on the head and tell you everything's going to be okay while giving you a hug you know and I, and I love that's what i really love about that that opening scene is how like one of my favorite things about this movie is like how really bad people just have water cooler conversations about the horrible shit that they're gonna do. Yeah, like they're just having so a water cooler. They're just having a water cooler conversation about robbing stores, mm-hmm. and like how they don't want to rob liquor stores anymore because it's too dangerous. Yeah, and he goes, you end up having to kill somebody, and she real comes like, I don't want to kill anybody. Yeah, like, like real like I don't want to kill people, dude. And then, like, literally from one minute to the next, like, everybody be cool. This is a robbery. Any of you bricks move, and I'll execute every last motherfucking one of you. <laughs> like, I love her, dude. Like, yeah. she's so good. 
She went from zero to 60 in 1.2 seconds, dude. Yeah, and it's believable dude. every single step of the way. As, as fuck, dude. She's so believable as that. Like, she would scare the fuck out of me if she ever did that. Like, yep. I'm, I don't think she's real, like, I don't think she's kidding, guys. Like, yeah. Real Andy Dick and Cable guy, buddy, get on the freaking horse. I don't think he's joking. Yeah. But, um... And real quick, man, I want to talk about about. Uh, I just want to get the this out of the way uh, before we get further into the movie. But the dialogue, dude, it, it, I, I just oh, I just feel like Tarantino knows these people. Like he's spoken to these people. Like he knows these people personally. Like yeah, these are based on actual conversations that he that, that he's had. You know? I feel like he had a water cooler conversation with somebody who was like a, a hitman. Yeah, like it feels like he's had these conversations with these guys, and like they are very like, eh. like if you go and you watch, if you have HBO Max, um, watch the Iceman tapes. Oh like, yeah, oh, dude. shit! Like Richard Kuklinski is fucked up beyond reason. Like this is a dude who like killed people for money, and like he talks about it like it was work. Yeah, and, like it was job. Or it's like not, the, uh, the 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 interviews that uh, that they had with uh, what's his name the the coed killer, oh the yeah, guy. yeah uh, Edmund Kemper Kemper yeah yeah, yeah and like, like those super people like yeah like super mellow super like whatever, and like the whole movie's filmed that way like it's all the perspective of bad people like there's yeah. no good people in this movie Tarantino's really good at doing that. Like, no good people in his movies. but He humanizes the villains, though, dude. Yeah, you're going to root for a bad guy. Yeah. Like, that's the whole point. At some point, you will be rooting for a very bad person in a Tarantino film. And, like, this is one of those movies. Like, even the, the opening scene with, with Travolta and Jackson, mm-hmm. where they're just having water-cooler conversations about the fact that somebody got thrown out of a window... Yeah, like, right. th- this is my favorite, favorite freaking scene in this movie, and it's right at the beginning, right? Yeah. So so they're talking about um, how uh, Frankie Rocky Horror yeah. got thrown out of a building for giving Mia Wallace a foot massage. Yeah. Right? And, like, th- this whole conversation about, about, like, the extreme reaction of somebody giving somebody else a foot massage is to throw them out of a window and whether or not it's right. You know, one person says like, Hey man, you know, you know, putting, putting, uh, putting your hand on somebody's foot and putting your finger in the holiest of holies are two totally different things, right? Like it's, it's so, it's so over the top, their reaction. And then Travolta just comes up to him and he goes, you give a man a foot massage. <laughs> it totally makes his point, right? And, and that's true. Like that's that's the end of that conversation, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because you, I, I, I'm, I'm literally with Sam Jackson. Yeah. Until he says that. Until he says that. <laughs> like, cause it's, I'm, I was like, I give my mama a foot massage. That's true. Like, but then he's like, would you give a man a foot massage? Fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. Like, hell no, I wouldn't get. I don't give a fuck which of my friends it is. Like, nah, you don't need that for me. I mean, that's also extremely homophobic, but I mean, that's the characters. Like, that's them. Like, that's their mentality. Fuck homophobia. I won't do it. I've had, like, I'll have an easier time kissing a dude than rubbing his feet. That's for real. Like, yeah. yeah like, like, I'm not sure. The foot is a very, very intimate, uh, you know, part of the body, you know, yeah. even though it's nowhere near, the, it's it's the furthest piece away from the genitals, but it's still a very, like, you know. Like, uh, let, me, let, let me put it this way. 
if I was asked to be in a movie, and by the way, if you're making a movie, don't ask me. It's a bad idea. I'm horrible. Yeah. But like, <laughs> if you were to ask me to be in a movie and play a gay person and kiss another dude, that would be easier for me than if you were to ask me to play a dude who had a foot fetish. Yeah. Like yeah. that. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> like that would be, I, like, uh, I don't know about yeah. that, man. Like I'd have an easier time playing a gay man. Yeah, no, giving somebody a foot massage is extremely intimate, and uh, it's, it's, it should only be done uh, with people who are very close and comfortable in that. It's, it's not something. It's, it's yeah. like giving somebody. It's like giving somebody. You know, rubbing somebody's inner thigh or something. Yeah, you know? like don't don't get me wrong. I'm not. Sh- if you're in the foot shit, like I don't give a fuck. Like yeah, that's all cool and everything. That's just that's me. Like feet are fucking nasty to me. Like you walk on the floor with them. It's gross. Yeah. I give but, my uh, I give my wife foot massages all the time. I would never give anybody else a foot massage, no matter what. Right, I don't care exactly. how much they pay me. Like, <laughs> see, I give, if, if, like, fortunately for me, my wife is one of those. I don't like touching feet. My wife doesn't like her feet touched. Like, so I'm pretty fortunate in that sense. Yeah. But if she wanted a foot massage, I'd give I'd give my wife a foot massage. But yeah, like, because but it's like, a very intimate thing, <laughs> you know. Yeah, but like you know, if you know, if Josh was over here, my friend Josh was over here, and he's like, "Would you rub my feet, bro?" Like, he's like, "Oh, my dogs wait. are barking, bro." <laughs> say, well, take them outside; they're getting on my nerves. I don't know what to tell you. Like, rub your own fucking feet. Yeah. Step on but, it? I don't know. <laughs> but you also have uh, that that famous conversation, the whole Royale with cheese uh, conversation, and man, like. Like who comes up with this dialogue, dude? Like I, I, I don't know. Especially at the time in 1994 when this movie came out, nobody in movies was talking like this. No one, know? absolutely like, no it's, one. It's so damn natural, dude. Your your henchman was there to fucking make sure that you knew you were gonna die. Like the thing that was that always gets me about that scene is like Brett knows he's gonna die. Yeah. Like Brett knows they're here to kill. He didn't send Hitman over for a conversation. Yeah. He sent Hitman over to kill them. And he still has this like maybe I'm going to get out of this and even he even fucking tells him my name's Pitt and you're not calling yeah. your way out of this. Yeah, he's like he's he's trying to humanize himself and that's supposedly that's one of the <laughs> one of the tactics of survival if you're ever in a hostage situation yeah. to try humanize. to humanize yourself, you know? And and this is something that was cut from the final from the final cut of the film, but it's established that these guys are low-level criminals slash actors yeah. and stage actors, yeah. you know? So when you see these guys all living like that's the way it's done in LA. Like yeah. you have a bunch of actors living living together in, in, in an area. Yeah. But it's never explained what they're there for. Right. Which is the MacGuffin of the film. Yeah. But and, and Marcellus Wallace's so, suitcase. And that's what's so good about it. You don't need it. Yeah, like, exactly. That's like I, really the focus. I remember even Tarantino had said one time, and a lot of people take it as canon when they asked him about the briefcase, he's like, I don't know. It's the diamonds from Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. Like, and joking, people, by yeah, the way. He went furious. But people take that as canon. Yeah. Like, oh, it's the diamonds from Reservoir Dogs. And I'm like, well, I, I'd buy that if Mr. Pink was in this movie. That was that was in the original script, uh, but he scrapped that like real, real like real quick. Like yeah. by the by the second draft it was gone. I've always diamonds. liked the theory that it's Marcellus Wallace's soul. Which has a lot of weight behind it. Yeah. Uh, it's not true. No, but um, and it's not intended intended at all because there's a scene where you see Marcellus Wallace uh, the back of his neck. Yeah, and, and, 
That was from fucking Bing Ram shaving himself. Yeah, he cut himself shaving. Like he had know. a bandit and Tarantino thought it looked cool. Yeah, I love that he kept it. Uh, yeah, hell yeah. Because it, it means it, absolutely it, nothing. No, it means fuck, fuck all of nothing to this film whatsoever. But like, it it, it prompts a million theories. Yeah. And like, that's Which is what a great movie does, by the way. I, I love exactly I love, it. Yeah. A great movie it. will prompt a million theories. Like they've made documentaries about Pulp Fiction. And <laughs> I think that's when you've, you've really come very far is when another filmmaker decides to make a film about your film. Yeah. Like, um, to me, one of the silliest fucking things I've ever seen in my life is uh, Room 237. It's a documentary <laughs> about The Shining. Yeah. And, like, about you know, how it's a hidden message for the moon landing or... or oh my God. Or, I am uh, like, bro, like, Kubrick was not none of that. Like, nope. you can go back and watch Vivian Kubrick's documentary on The Shining where she was filming her dad mm-hmm. as he was making The Shining. And all he was trying to do was make a good movie. Yeah. Like, he was a perfectionist. He was trying to make a good movie. He wasn't trying to fucking say anything. And I, I remember one of my favorite things when someone accused him of filming the moon landing. He's like, I'm so fucking angry that you'd think that I would shoot something that looked like that <laughs> and would be okay with it. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that makes the mo- literally the most sense. Yeah. Like Cooper would be like, I'm so fucking pissed that you would think I would ever shoot anything that out of focus. Like, I'm <laughs> offended by that. Like, but I'll tell you one thing, man. Like, like the the original uh, moon landing uh, uh, footage, it's actually pretty close to HD. It's just that the yeah. TVs at the time couldn't handle that level of clarity. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, it's 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 a lot. It's a lot of stuff. There's somebody uh, out there like you guys believe in the moon landing. Just so you know, you're a fucking idiot, whoever you are. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness, man. But but yeah, man. Like this <laughs> opening scene, this this whole the diner scene, and then the apartment scene where where they where they, uh, you know, check out the big brains on bread. You know. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 one of the, it's one of the greatest opening scenes in movie history it sets everything up perfectly i am 100 the first time i saw this movie i actually watched it on stars um because it, it had already been out for a year and it was already on on cable tv when i first saw it we and i was i was just like hugged. like this movie turned me into a movie fan you know like like i i i watched like comic book movies and movies for kids and like every now and then I, I'd watch like a like a horror movie, like Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday mm-hmm. the 13th and I enjoyed those movies for what they were I but can this see movie, that dude. I can see that because I think this is the movie that did it to me too yeah like this movie was like man story dialogue acting everything coming together like the the whole uh, uh, way the, the 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 time the timeline jumps uh, in in a perfect way, like it, it it just caught my attention and and my my imagination, dude. Like I, I like I, I don't want I don't want to overstate it, but this movie I don't I don't think this movie fan. can be overstated. Yeah. I don't think it can be overstated. Like the reason everybody and their mother talks about this movie is because it it is such a fucking like yeah. genre defining film. Like you can't uh-huh. call this an action or a drama film. 
No. Like, you can only call it a Tarantino film. Yeah. Like, that's all you can... That's that's its genre. It's a Tarantino film. Yeah. And, like, there's so much... Like, the way it's cut, the way it's shot, the way it's edited, and, like, everything about it. Like, that scene in particular, you know, I can remember... Um, the scene that, like, has always to this day, like always kind of like oh like scared me and just made me uncomfortable was and it was because of my dad uh the what ain't no country i ever heard of they speak yeah English. <laughs> like because when my dad my, my dad would ask me something and if i'd go what and he goes what's what you say if you're trying to lie to me so stop trying to fucking lie to me and like yeah he would scare me like because and it's true like i'd say what because i didn't know what the fuck to say and whenever he'd catch me in something, I what? Like, don't say fucking what. I hate when you say that. Like, answer <laughs> my question. Don't answer my question with what. What's not an answer? And, yeah. Okay. Scared What's the no country I've ever heard of? They speak English or what? <laughs> yeah. So, like, when that scene, every time I see that scene, it kind of like, <laughs> like, it still sends chills down my spine. Because mm. it's like, God damn, dude, he's going to kill this guy. Yeah. Like, like you knew right no, away as soon as as soon as he started eating his food. Like you're yeah. not gonna eat this. <laughs> what a fucked up notion to like walk into somebody's house and like to know like I'm not even gonna let you enjoy your last meal. Yeah. Like he didn't even let him enjoy his last meal. He drank his sprite and ate his burger. Yeah. Like what a shit last meal. And like you can't even enjoy it. Like you can't yeah. even enjoy it. That's how much you pissed off Marcellus Wallace. Like your last meal is a big kahuna burger. And, and you're not even going to eat it. And it's okay. <laughs> And you can't even have that. Yeah. You can't even finish it. Like, oh, that's so intimidating, dude. Like, it's and, fucked. And, like, you don't, you don't get... You don't get characters like Anton Chigurh in No Country for Old Men if it wasn't for, like, characters like Jules Winfield yeah. in Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. You don't... You don't I, I love the dynamic of them playing good cop and bad cop. Yeah. And they fucking like how John Travolta says nothing. Yeah. Like you give all the dialogue. He's just in the background. Like he's just in the background, just looking around, just just pacing back and forth. And at the time, the last movie that John Travolta came out in was was fucking Look Who's Talking, dude. Yeah. Look who's talking. Like, and before and before that, like everybody, everybody knew that. Everybody knew him as the, the Saturday Night Fever guy. You yeah. know? And, and like, in this movie, he's terrifying, dude. Yeah, and it's so Jackson. It's so interesting because, like, you really have to think about it too. Like at the time, you it's 1994, and you give all the dialogue to Sam Jackson, who's a relative unknown at that point in time. Yeah, he 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 had only been doing uh small roles. Like he he was in uh um I I think the movie that he did he did a couple of movies before this, but I think the biggest role that he did was in Goodfellas. I remember him being the crackhead in New Jack City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that what was I remember him That was a small role. Yeah, and like, even then, that role wasn't for him. That was for the guy who played Paul the bartender. Yeah. Like, he Paul the bartender so, was originally going to play Jules. So originally, they wanted, they, uh, he wanted uh, Samuel L. Jackson, right? Because he wrote it for Samuel L. Jackson. Mm-hmm. But that guy came in, and, and he, he, he read it perfectly. Like, he read it brilliantly, right? And yeah. Tarantino loved him. He's like, you know what? I'm going to give you the role. Um, and you know, come, come on Monday or whatever. And then Samuel Jackson said, Oh, by the way, uh, I, my, my schedule opened up. Mm-hmm. 
Sorry, dude. Uh, do you want to play? <laughs> do you want to play, play the bartender? <laughs> Man, my name's Paul, and this shit's between y'all. Yeah, what you fucking it, ask me for? <laughs> Tarantino, Tarantino always said he's like, uh, I would never have done that to another actor. I would never have done that to another actor. But you don't say no to Samuel Jackson, <laughs> right? You're not. You're, you're not Stanley Kubrick about it. Yeah, <laughs> Kubrick, would, Kubrick would replace the fuck out of you. Talk back. See what happens. <laughs> exactly. Who, so who's your second choice? Fuck you. I'll pick my fourth choice. I don't give a shit. Like, <laughs> he'll cast recast you in the middle of a scene, dude. I'll fucking <laughs> I'll fucking shoot this whole movie over again. You don't think? <laughs> try me. Like, we need directors so, like that again, dude. Right. Like, you really need directors who weren't afraid of the studio. Oh my goodness, dude. We we need we need the guy who directed Cruella to direct more movies, dude. I'll tell you I that. Need, I need more <laughs> Zack Snyder. Fucking yeah. <laughs> like I need that. So what we're gonna do right now, ladies and gentlemen, we've kind of gone over time, but uh, that's what you do when you talk about freaking pulp fiction, dude. So what we're gonna do right now is we're gonna take a real quick break, uh, recharge our batteries, get ourselves a little royale with cheese with some uh five dollar milkshakes, and uh, we'll come back and talk more about Quentin Tarantino's masterpiece. Pulp freaking fiction. We'll be right back. Are you looking for great local music? Then tune in to RGBTitanRadio.com. We play everything local, like hip hop, rock, and country. If you want your music played on our radio station, then send your music to playmymusic at rgbtitanradio.com. Once more, that's playmymusic at rgbtitanradio.com. Be sure to send MP3 files that include the names of the track, album, and band or artist along with cover art. rgbtitanradio.com. We are the 956. From the depths of the primordial ooze of pop culture, two figures emerge to bring their gift knowledge and films to the masses their only qualifications they watched a hell of a lot of movies when they were kids they're not just experts they're not just fans they are movie know-it-alls join bob and will every wednesday at 5 p.m as they host the movie know-it-all podcast only on rg titan radio we are the 956 
And in Paris, you can buy beer at McDonald's. Do you know what they call a, a quarter pounder with cheese uh, in Paris? They don't call it a quarter pounder with cheese? Uh, they get the metric system. They don't know what the fuck a quarter pounder is. And what do they call it? They call it a uh, Royale with cheese. Royale with cheese. What do they call a Big Mac? Big Mac's a Big Mac, but they call it a little Big Mac. Big Mac. What do they call a Whopper? I don't know. I didn't go on a burger. You know what they put on french fries and hogs instead of ketchup? What? Yeah. Mayonnaise. Uh, <laughs> I seen them do it, man. They fucking drown with that shit. Yeah. We should have shotguns with this kind of deal. How many of Three or four. That's down that guy? Not you. So that means it could be up to five guys up there? Fuck. We should have fucking shotgun. I love the juxtaposition and the conversation between something as mundane as as uh, a hamburger <laughs> and something as intense as going up loaded with, with, with weapons. We should have fucking shotguns. <laughs> I love that line, dude. The line that always gets me is like, "What do they call a what do they call a um, what do they call a whopper?" I don't know. I didn't go in the Burger King. I know. Dude, I love that joke. <laughs> I don't know. I never went to Burger King. <laughs> Fuck Burger King. That's why. <laughs> like, I love it. Oh what man, a, but like, just bizarre was... conversation to have, though. Like, but that's a conversation that somebody in that situation would totally have, don't you think? Yeah, that's the fucked up part about it. Is you expect somebody to have conversations like that, just fucked yeah. up, like... Like two friends, like two friends yeah. talking. Just matter-of-fact conversations that way. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, and I remember um, this being a time when, uh, like, pop culture was just everywhere, dude. And one of my favorite shows growing up was uh, was Animaniacs yeah. and, and, uh, and uh, Tiny Toons. Yeah, hell and yeah. Man, did those shows like parody the hell, the ever loving hell out of these movies, you know? Yeah, everybody did. And every, yeah, everybody, everybody copied it. did. Like, everybody wanted to do Pulp Fiction. Like, that was all of a sudden, like, you have to understand that Robert Rodriguez, Quentin Tarantino, and Kevin Smith all showed up essentially at the same time. Yeah, they were they were all they were all friends with each other. I know that uh, Kevin Smith and Quentin Tarantino were really good friends. Yeah, like they just like popped up all the fuck of a mm-hmm. sudden, and they just decided, yeah, we're gonna do movies this way now. Yeah, and, and it was new, you know, it was fresh, and everybody was like, we need to do shit like that. And I I, I hate to bring this up. Because he's he like it's such a monstrous situation and and it's it's terrible and and I hope this this person fucking dies in his <laughs> sleep drowning in a in a you know in a fucking bathtub full of piss. But Miramax really opened the door for a lot of these filmmakers. Yeah, I'll give know? I'll give the Weinstein's that. Fuck them, but yeah. I'll give them that. Yeah, like if it wasn't if it wasn't for 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 them giving these guys a chance, we wouldn't yeah. have Pulp Fiction. We wouldn't have Kevin Smith movies, which I love, and I don't care what anybody says. Kevin Smith is a great filmmaker. He's a great person, and yeah. uh, regardless he, like, of opinion, 
Yeah, like I, I love Kevin Smith. He's my boy. Uh, he always he always answers my messages. By the way, okay. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm hyped. I'm hyped as fuck for Clerks Three. I don't give a fuck. Yes, I love it. I love it. I can't wait. I can't freaking wait, dude. They start shooting next month. I can't wait. So people think like I'm excited. Yeah. So like Pulp Fiction was everywhere. I remember uh, the very first episode of Mad TV did a parody called Gump Fiction. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Gump Fiction. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna get medieval on your buttocks. Yeah. <laughs> Gump fit. And that's because Phil Lamar's in this movie, and he was he was Mad TV alum. He played the exact same. character. I, I was like, I think he played the exact same character, didn't he? Like yeah, he was still he, Marvin. Yeah, he played Marvin in the in the parody on on uh, Mad TV, which is so, so fucking funny, dude. Like. <laughs> I fucking he's like that. oh no not again <laughs> like everybody everybody wanted to do that's the thing is that like when when tarantino did pulp fiction like people tend to forget how much everybody wanted to make a pulp fiction after that everyone and their mother wanted to make that that crime drama yeah. that like no one could quite like master it though no one was quite there like a like a, the, a lot of people try to to remake, uh, like or rip off that style of Pulp Fiction. A, a couple of people kind of came close. Yeah. Like uh, like uh, Gross Point Blank was one of them, I think. Um, yeah. <laughs> what was that? What was that movie with Lou Diamond Phillips and Mark Wahlberg? That was the big the hit. The big hit. I like, fucking love the big hit. That was really good. It's right? such a goofy fuck. That's an action movie. There's no Tarantino to that at all. Yeah, but they try. Like they, they. Uh, a lot of the reviews I remember yeah. watching saying calling it Tarantino esque. You know. Yeah, cause, and it's because it, it's one of those things where you sympathize with the hitman. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, just because you sympathize with the hitman does not make it Tarantino esque yeah. at all. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I don't get me wrong. I, I fucking you have no idea how much I love that stupid movie. <laughs> like it is a yeah. dumb fuck of a movie from beginning to end and i fucking adore every minute of it yeah and i remember reading an interview with uh with uh, uh with quentin tarantino and, and talking about about his influences and how how he loved kurosawa how he loved uh, uh all the uh the the martial arts movies and and then again he also liked movies like shaft and and uh, uh foxy foxy brown yeah and like all those uh, 70s exploitation movies yeah and you know you see it in this movie, Big but time. he's not totally ripping it off. Yeah. He's making it his own. Like in Kill Bill, he totally rips it off. And oh like, God! Unapolog yeah. un unapologetically. unapologetically. Yeah, like, he doesn't hide it either. You know, well, he, he even said like when people were like, hey, "You stole from this movie," he's like, "I steal from everything." Yeah. Like, he's like, no, I'm not. I'm not stealing from anybody. I'm giving everybody the credit that they deserve. You know, yeah. like he's not. Like I'm not saying he's. He he never said that you know that he had his own style he said he had, he had an amalgamation of everybody that that uh was an influence on him yeah and you can see it in these movies like you can mm -hmm. see it big time like there is a certain sense of um like high plains drifter to everything that he does like yeah. that whole like spaghetti mystery. western yeah like big time i mean really look at fucking the hateful eight yeah. Which, like, oh my god, is one of my favorites of his. That one and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. 
Like I love his surrealities. Yeah, I love I love how he takes how he took uh, historical like actual historical events, and just like turned them on your ear. Yeah, you know? and and I dig that. I dig I dig filmmakers that can do stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And like he's always been one of those filmmakers to like really like. I mean, who would ever impose a rule on Tarantino? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I can't I can't imagine a studio like, okay, we're gonna do this, 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 and this, but you can't do this. Like, okay. Yeah. Like it was the same thing with like the, the scene in Kill Bill. They're like, this is way too bloody. He's like, what if I black and white the scene? Yeah. Like instead of editing the scene down and whittling it down, I'm like, no, I want it to be just as violent and bloody, but I'll I'll turn it black and white so you get no blood. Yeah. Like his and- ways of circumnavigating the MPAA, which I imagine hate his fucking <laughs> guts, dude. Yeah. Like, I imagine he is like balls of nightmares for the MPAA, for the soccer mom union. And it's like, and it's really and it's really messed up, man. It's really messed up because he's he's and he's always he's always defended it to a certain way because he refuses he refuses to defend like straight up his movies. Yeah. You know? He refuses to defend uh, 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 the violence because he doesn't feel the need to. He doesn't feel the need to justify it. No, it's a violent but, movie. Yeah, no, but like I mean, justifies violent films. The like, one time he God. did, the one time he did, he uh, um, he basically said he's like because these are violent characters. Like this is a story. Like I'm not advocating for violence. It's just that these stories and the stories that I'm telling, like they have violent characters in them. Like it's just the way it is. Get over it. Don't watch it. Yeah, you know? I fucking hate that. Like, I've watched a bunch of those videos of like celebrities walking away from interviews. Yeah, and like Tarantino walking away from people who bring that shit up uh, is usually one of the clips. And it's like, well, yeah, you're an asshole. <laughs> like, you're basically blaming him for violence in society. Like, yeah, give me a fucking break with that bullshit. Like, you can't blame people for the violence in society when they're just, you know showing off what 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 the violence in society inspired them to do his films are a reflection of the violence of society he's not he's not a reason for it like don't get mad at nwa for singing a song called fuck the police yeah you know when 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 they're just it's just a reaction to their situation you know yeah you gotta you gotta remember man nobody ever wrote a song called fuck the fire department yeah exactly like so so uh, real quick, real quick, I I, I want to uh, um, we've talked we've talked enough about about the opening scene, man, because they're, they, the opening scene is just so heavy with with stuff. But there's a brilliant, brilliant scene with Bruce Willis at his peak, by the way. Yeah. Where he no, plays, he's he, plays he plays a a, a boxer named Butch. Yeah. Now this is where Tarantino the storyteller comes in mm-hmm. right and we first see him talking to Marcellus Wallace and Marcellus Wallace basically telling him you're going to throw the fight and we're going to pay you a shitload of money mm-hmm. you know and you you get you get through the dialogue you get that this guy he's a washed up boxer he no longer has it they're not going to give him like this is going to be his last big fight yeah right so they're going to give him money to throw it. And 
there's a scene right before they get into the fight where the brilliantly cast Christopher Walken comes in <laughs> and talks about a watch. <laughs> now, why is this watch so significant? Well, Christopher Walken tells you this watch belonged to his great great grandfather and he bought it when he was out in World War One. Mm-hmm. He was killed. They sent the watch to his son, who, and he in turn gave it to his son, who was killed in uh, he who was in turn killed in uh, I think World War Two. Yeah, and then his dad, who was in Vietnam, mm-hmm. kept it up his ass for what five years? He said, Yeah, Four five years? years. And he got dysentery and freaking died. <laughs> So now he's like, so you get the background that Butch comes from a long line of military (laughs) Military. guys who died in battle, right? Going through hell in order to keep this watch, right? (laughs) Yeah. Like the worst of the worst, man. And you're given first person because Christopher Walken is talking directly into the camera. Yeah. The importance of this watch. <laughs> I'm sorry. Right? And like this Chris scene Walken is, is just This scene exists entirely for a joke. Yeah. Like it's all for a joke. Do you have any idea what my father went through to get this watch back to me? I don't really have time to go into it right now. <laughs> yeah. It's such a great joke, dude. I don't really have time to go into it right now, but it was a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and you go and 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 you see him uh going into the fight. They announce that he kills his opponent. <laughs> this is so fucked up. And he runs off. He runs off into uh, uh, to go to go be with his girlfriend. And and then you learn that that they they plan on run that he planned this the whole time. He planned. They plan on running off together and 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 taking off, uh, running out of town. And I, I'm I, I want to guess that she is pregnant. Yeah, it feels that way. I I, I have a feeling that she is pregnant. They don't specifically say they don't, it. They, yeah, they don't outright say it, but it yeah. certainly does feel that way. Yeah. But you see that these two love each other. He is sweet to her. He loves her. Like they 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 joke around with each other. They're the 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 intimacy is very, very uh uh like like they're very close, they're very in love with each other, they're on each other's side. But when he learns that she forgot the watch. Yeah. He loses his mind. Snaps. And she is terrified of him. Yeah. Because Again, she knows. She's an asshole. You feel there's yeah. no good people in this movie. Yeah. Like even Bruce Willis is an asshole. Even the scene in the cab where he's like, Floyd died? Like, yeah. oh well. Like real like indifferent to it. She goes, You want are you asking me how I feel knowing that I killed a man? Yeah. She's like, Yeah, he goes, oh, I'm being honest with you, honey, I don't feel a bit different at all. Yeah, like he didn't give two fucks that he just killed his opponent. Yep, like not exactly. one bit. Like it didn't mean a fight. He even explicitly said it. Like makes any difference? Doesn't mean anything to me. Like yeah. I don't feel one bit different about it. Like which is fucked up. <laughs> like yep. you really? He was like, what? It wasn't. He even said like, I wasn't. It wasn't my intention to kill Floyd, but fuck him. Like if he was yeah. a better, so he wouldn't be in this situation. Extremely indifferent. Extremely yeah. indifferent. You know. Now, um, 
it's 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 oh god like this this um this whole sequence is totally different from any of the other sequences in the movie because it kind of um it 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 follows Bruce Willis as he goes back for his watch and through a series of for lack of a better term unfortunate events uh. Him and Marcellus Wallace end up in the dungeon of some hick pawn shop. Zed. And I don't know where this came from. I don't know where Tarantino got the got the inspiration for this. But it shows the the um how how bad of a guy uh, Bruce Willis is, mm-hmm. but also the his redemption. And his like turn, he could have just left Marcellus Wallace there. Right? Yeah, you know, and Plus, like I, I got to tell you, I, I I can, I love my mom to death. <laughs> yeah. But my my mom's a dork. But if she gave you a watch, <laughs> my my mom's a dork in every sense of the the word, uh, and I mean that in in the sense that I could watch the most violent and gory and bloody and just visceral films she was totally mm. okay with it but sex scenes always made her uncomfortable really and like hey oh, cover your eyes like she man cover my eyes always right this must have been like tear your eyes out tear your eyes out <laughs> so well here's the fucking funny thing my dad went outside for something uh-huh. to this day i can't remember <laughs> what and mom went outside with him and I just sat there watching this movie because we did not expect that to happen. Mm. Um, Mom walked back in in the middle of the rape scene. Oh. I was nine years old and really confused. You know, I'm <laughs> like, how does that work? Yeah. <laughs> like, my poor mom had to. Mommy, exp- what's he doing? <laughs> mom had to explain to me that men rape other men. And I'm like, what? Like, just uh, so confused about it. And, like, like the first time I, it was ever explained to me that, like, dudes will just rape each other. Mm-hmm. And, like, telling me that happens in prison a lot. I'm like, what? <laughs> Don't ever go to jail. <laughs> fucked my whole life up. Like, fucked me up beyond words. Like, I was not prepared for that scene. Like, very ill-prepared for that moment. Because it does kind of fucking come out of nowhere. But that's the whole thing about this movie is everything just sort of fucking comes out of nowhere. Like, literally everything. Like, it's such a fuck... Everything has such unexpected turns that when you get there, you're like, okay, I guess we're here now. Like, he did just momentarily go nonchalantly murder John Travolta. (laughs) Yeah. Like, Like, nonchalantly killed him. And, like, that leads to that fucking... Uh, Alexis Arquette popping out of the room and shooting at them after he kills Brad. Yeah. Like, and fucking Jules, like... Who, who I didn't, had no idea that was Alexis Arquette. Like, mm-hmm. I had no idea how many Arquettes came out in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> if that was Alexis, may she rest in peace, yeah. man. Like, yeah, man. And, like, there was this fucking... This tremendous moment that, like, when you get to the end... Is real like wow, that's kind of fucked. Like Sam Jackson, like saying, if I keep doing this, like I'm gonna die, 
and yeah. I don't want to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, it was enough for him to quit. Like, you want to play blind man and walk with the shepherd? That's up to you. My eyes are wide fucking open. Like, yeah, this was, like, this chronologically takes yeah. place after the the the, uh, the diner scene, after yeah. after uh, 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 Jules quits. Yeah. and So, like, technically, that should have been Jules there, too. Yeah, and that's the thing. If Jules was there, it would have been him yep. who got shot. Or he might have been there to watch Vincent's back. Vincent yeah. would have been there alone is the kind of the whole point. Or Marcellus, if, Marcellus wouldn't have been there uh, uh, because he was there backing up, backing up Vince. Yeah. You know? and, and like, like, it's, just, it's this, whole, this whole thing, like this whole house of cards that, that is, you know, this whole cause and effect, you know, it, that that is that is put into question like basically because of of the way the narrative is put together like it is very everything happens for a reason yeah like and the only one who sees it that way is Jules yeah and it's kind of amazing like, <laughs> yeah it's kind of amazing the clusterfuck that like it's a clusterfuck worthy of the Coens and like. I think that's the whole thing is that he did the clusterfuck better than the Coens did. And like, <laughs> it, it's kind of hard to find better clusterfuck movies than that. And, yeah. and like that whole, you wouldn't be in this situation if you just listened. Oh, like dude, you, Fargo, Fargo is one of those movies, dude. That's like, Oh God. <laughs> I just showed that movie to my wife recently. Fargo. Yeah. Like I just uh, showed that to her. We watched that one. And like, what did we watch the other night that I just showed you? Oh, we didn't get to finish it because uh, it was all fucked up. Was falling down. Oh, uh, I started showing her falling down. And oh like, God, you need to finish watching that movie, dude. Oh my I God. Know. I show it's because like we watched that one and um, Phone Booth, uh, and like I forgot that Phone Booth was a Schumacher film. Yeah, dude. And I, I was a Schumacher film. And like I told her, she was like, because at the end of it, she's like, "So you never find out why this guy really does it?" I'm like, "It's a random act of violence. Mm -hmm. yep. like, it's all it is. It's random, it's random act of violence." And like it made me want to watch Falling Down, and I put that on. I'm like, "I did. I forgot that's a Schumacher film too." Yeah, yeah. Like I forgot that's a Schumacher film also. Like, fuck people, dude. Joe Schumacher was a legend. He was a but brilliant. I I love Schumacher, dude. I love all his movies, dude. I don't give a fuck what whatever the people say, man. And like that was the kind of thing about Pulp Fiction was like the whole thing feels like it feels like a random like random acts of violence until mm -hmm. that moment until yeah. that like that moment where Alexis Arquette shoots yeah. at point blank range and he misses two hitmen standing against a white wall. Well, it's written in the script that one that they're actors and yeah. two that was a prop gun. That wasn't a real gun. He thought it was a real gun. Ah, it was a gun filled with blanks. That makes the most sense. Yeah. It wasn't a miracle. <laughs> it wasn't, a, you know, God didn't come down and stop the bullets. They just... They weren't uh, real. They weren't... It wasn't a real gun. Mm -hmm. But to Jules and his perspective, that was a sign. That was a sign yeah. that he needed, you know? Because they would have been killed. Yeah, exactly. Like, instantaneously. Like, they did yep. not expect that guy to pop out of there with a gun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, no. And then even when he says, you forget to, you neglect to mention me, there was an asshole back there with a fucking hand cannon. <laughs> yeah. Like, and like, Jules just like, dude, what the fuck? Like, are you not freaked out right now? Like, we could have yep. died. Yeah. Like, I, I love that. I love that you have that real moment, like, 
<laughs> Marvin, what do you think? Man, I don't even have an opinion. Well, you yeah. gotta have an opinion. Like. Oh. <laughs> and, then, and then when the gun goes off, he's like, oh, man, I shot Marvin in the face. <laughs> my, my mom got so mad at me because I laughed, I laughed so hysterically at that scene the first time. Yeah. It just, it, just him, like, his reaction. Oh, dude, I shot Marvin in the face. <laughs> what the hell did you do that for? <laughs> like... Yeah, it's so fucking glorious, dude. Like, oh man, I shot Marvin in the face. Yeah, like, oh what the God. fuck, dude? Like, oh jeez, so ridiculous, dude. It's so fucking absurd. And like, <laughs> literally everything about that moment fucking kills me. Like, it cracks me up. And. It's, it's- it's, <laughs> and it goes more towards the nonchalantness of the violence. Like, like people don't flinch at, at, at extreme violence like that. Like, this guy just got his head blown off. They treated him and a cup of coffee. Like, like, in, like a slight inconvenience. Like, his, his line delivery says it all. Oh, man, I shot, I, I shot Marvin in the face. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, man, I, I spilled a little milk on my lap. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm sorry, but before 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 I I uh, we we get to that part, man. I, I I because that that last the last uh, uh piece of this movie is what got me hooked, right? Like it 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 got me, uh, it made me realize what a brilliant movie this was. Absolutely, I, I re- we really need to talk about Uma freaking Thurman, dude. Oh God, yeah, and Mia Wallace. What a fucking unsettling and uncomfortable situation that had to be. be. Because Uma Thurman was, she was a child actress. Mm. She grew up in a family full of filmmakers and actors and mm. stuff. Um, but this, this uh, once again, this movie made her career. Yeah. Right? And this was originally supposed to be Pam Greer. Yeah. And, playing Mia Wallace. Yeah. Unfortunately, was, Pam Greer couldn't make it, couldn't do it, right? I love that Pam Greer is still one of those people who can say no to Tarantino. Yeah. And still like, still, she's turned down a lot of roles from him. Yeah, but because she doesn't, she doesn't like his movies. No, she doesn't. Like, like at all. Like, she, she's, she, believe, like, believe it or not, despite the fact that she came out in some of the most famous black exploitation movies of all time, like, she, she had whores violence. <laughs> yeah. Which is so fucking funny to me. She's like, I don't want to yeah. be in a violent movie. And I'm like, yeah. What, Foxy? What do you and mean? She's such, a, she's such a classy lady, too, dude. It's so funny because, like, she came out, she, she did, she did Tarantino the favor of coming out in Jackie Brown, great which, movie, like, she was great in, by the way. Oh, yeah. But, like she was like, yeah, I, I did you that one favor. Like you know, like that's that's all you get. Everybody gets one. We're right? square. We're square. So uh, he cast Uma Thurman, and he admittedly immediately fell in love with her. Like as soon as he met her, uh, he had written uh, like a treatment uh, called The Bride. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the Revenge of the Bride or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Which later became Kill Bill Volumes One and Two. Yep. And he said that she inspired him to finish it. Which is pretty wild. Yeah. So uh, he immediately fell in love with her and her feet. And uh, like this whole scene with her and Travolta is literally Oscar winning material, dude. Like it's because of these scenes that that uh, uh, Travolta got nominated for an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. 
you know? And like, I think this scene single-handedly saved his career. It, it really does. Like, I, I remember, like, even, like, watching it, like, recently with my wife. Like, every time we watch that scene where they dance together, she, every time she just goes, mm. Like, <laughs> with Travolta, like, she's still like, God, I would have loved to have danced with that man. Yeah. Like, and I remember my mom saying that. Like, I can remember my mom watching that and going, like, oh, I'd love to dance with him. <laughs> like, yeah. like I've always found that real trippy, but I think I think a lot of people equate dancing to sex, uh-huh. and like there's a certain way that like my man moves his hips, he can dance, and he effortlessly dances. Yeah, like Travolta dances like it comes second nature to him. Yep, like yep. it's it's very much breathing to Travolta, like because even in the movie, he's supposed to look real nonchalant. Yeah, and like, but even nonchalant, it's fucking Denny Terrio. You know what I mean? Like, it's still, <laughs> it's still fucking Vinny Barbarino. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like keep dancing, brother. Like, you love that shit, and, and that scene is so good because there's such gotcha sexual tension between them, big time, and they're, and, and they're and, and it's every, they can to avoid it, and it comes through in the conversation. Yeah, you know, big time. It, it comes through in the conversation, and there's this spark that you see between them. Yeah, that's that's it's like such trouble, dude. Like, and they play it off so brilliantly. I yes, love how this scene is acted, dude. Like, it, it, any 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 other filmmaker, any other actor would have played up the sexual tension. Big time. But no, man. You they, got they to downplay a, it because they, they themselves it. are downplaying it. Yeah. yeah, like they work against the sexual tension that they're feeling for each other. And like, I love that. It's one of those, like, you know that we'll both be killed for that, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. and they, they sell that so well. That whole, like, even when he tells her at the end after the overdose where he's like, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know what you want to do, but I feel like if Marcel, Marcellus went the rest of his life without knowing about this, he might be okay. He's yeah. like, Marcellus found out about this. I'd be in even more trouble than you'd be. He's like, yeah. I highly doubt that. Like that real, like, you don't get it, dude. He'd fuck me up too no, for this. No, but like, see, but see, that's the exact same conversation you would have with somebody after you, after you have sex with them. Right. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's what I love about it. Like they talk to each other like they just fucking fucked one another. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, and no, it, never fucking up. <laughs> Like I, I, God, I love that part with Eric Stoltz too, where he calls him like, "Are you calling me on a cell phone? I don't know you. Great caller, great caller." Like, I love that fucking that, that dialogue. Like, well, you bite the fucking bullet, and you take her ass to a hospital. Are you calling me from a cell phone? Like, I love that reaction, dude. Like, are you fucking kidding, dude? Like, get the fuck out of here. You know like, that was supposed to be Tarantino. <laughs> Tarantino was supposed to play that role, but he wanted to be behind the camera uh, during the uh, the overdose scene. I'm so glad it was Eric Stoltz. I'm yeah. so glad because Eric Stoltz, like his reaction to everything happening around him, like mm-hmm. I, I love when he's like, here, give her the shot. I'm not giving her the shot. Like, you got to give her the shot. When I bring an ODing bitch over to your house in the middle of the night, I'll give her the shot. <laughs> <laughs> I'll you. Like, this is like the first movie that I saw Eric Stoltz in that he, that because the only other movie I had seen him in was Mask. 
with Cher. Yeah, where yeah. he wore the, all those prosthetics and everything. Yeah. So like, this is like the first movie that I saw him in without all that prosthetics. I'm like, dude, they put a lot of makeup on because this guy's attractive. You I, know, I watched Killing Zoe because of this movie because of oh. his mom in Pulp Fiction. Okay, I, I desperately wanted because there was a trip. Excuse me, there was a trailer for Killing Zoe on the VHS of Pulp Fiction. Uh-huh. And um, after seeing him in Pulp Fiction, I was like, I want to see more movies with that guy. Yeah. And I went out and rented that one. I went and rented Killing Zoe, which is like major- like the majority of it is in French, but still a very good fucking movie. But like, I I love just like when the phone's ringing and he's eating cereal Fruit Brute. Remember that cereal? Yeah, Fruit Brute. Just real, like, <laughs> whatever. And, like, just taking his time and, like, oh, you told those assholes not to call after 10. Yeah, I did. And I'm going <laughs> to tell this asshole the exact same thing. <laughs> and, like, like, dude, like, this fucking poor chick is dying of a heroin overdose. And he's real, like, yeah. <laughs> like, super indifferent to it. If this chick dies, I mean, I'm going to be a fucking grease spot. <laughs> I will, I will be forced to tell him that you did not help. Like, <laughs> I love that, dude. Like, you know, you know, he drags her out of the car. He drags her out of the car and just drops her on the grass. Like, <laughs> And, like, Uma Thurman's so good, dude. Like, she's so good at playing the OD spot. It's so uncomfortable. Like, dude, her eyes rolling into the back of the head, dude, is so freaking uh, terrifying. It scares dude. me, dude. You know? Like, and I mean, her eyes are already weird enough as it is, dude. Like, her, like she's got weird eyes, right? <laughs> like weird exotic eyes Uma Thurman has. Yeah. And then to have her roll them in the back of her head like that, like <laughs> that, 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 oh god, it's so unsettling, man. It's so, it's so fucked upset. up. And like, <laughs> just like when they bring her in, and Rosanna Arquette's like, "What the hell is that?" Like, she's all doing, "Get her the hell out of here!" Get her the hell out of here. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, dude. Like any, 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 uh, uh, a person would be like, "Yeah, get her out of here. That's not our problem." I'll tell you know. You, I'll tell you a fucked up true story really quick. That kind of like I feel bad for laughing at this, but I don't have a very high opinion of my old stepmom. Uh, uh, my old stepmom has type one diabetes. Okay. Uh, which means like her blood sugar will plummet for no fucking discernible reason whatsoever. Like, and she goes into this sort of comatose state. Um, my dad uh, took really good care of her, really good care of her. Now, my dad was not without his flaws. He had his issues, and at some point, uh, my stepmom decided to have an affair on him, which, you know, whatever, fine. Um, But she took off with some guy who was really rich. Like, dude had a lot of money. Uh, Stepmom saw dollar signs bailed. I understand. Whatever, right? So I guess she never told him that she had type 1 diabetes. No way. And they're in the car together, and she starts, oh, she goes into these, like, <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, like, these sort of catatonic states where her fingers curl, and she, like, she's crashing. Yeah, she starts crashing. Well, this dude thought she was ODing, and he stopped his car, yanked her out, and threw her on the side of the road. Oh, my <laughs> God, dude. He just dumped her on the side of the road. And, like, she went back to his house and found all her shit outside. Like, he just threw everything away. Oh, my God. Like, 
So if she would have died on the side of the road, how the hell would he have explained that? He wouldn't have. He thought she was know, fucking, he kicked her out. Like, <laughs> like, God oh damn. Oh, like, God, dude. And, like, she tried getting back with my My dad thought it was the funniest thing because she, th- she tried getting back with him, and he was like, go fuck yourself. Like, get oh the fuck out of here. Oh, my God, dude. That <laughs> like, is... <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, dude. wow. Like, I'm just picturing that poor guy. Like, if she fucking dies, I'm going to be a fucking grease spot. Like, <laughs> just revolting the fuck out of that situation. Yeah. Like, he could have, because you got to really think about it. He could have just left her ass there. Yeah. He could have bailed, and, like, she did that on her own. I was, I'd already dropped her ass off. But, see, but she also thing, has cameras everywhere. Not only that, but, like, you know, you think Marcellus Wallace is going to give a fuck? Like, he left her, him in charge of her. Yeah. Like, she is his responsibility. And you know? if he really threw a guy out a window for touching her feet. That's yeah. another thing. That's another That's another brilliant, brilliant thing. I'm fucking glad you brought that up, dude. So yeah. that is another world-building element. Yeah. Where this is how protected Marcellus Wallace is over Mia. Yeah. He thought a guy touched her feet. He threw him out a window. This is how scared people are of Marcellus Wallace. And then even and that then, is established in the first scene of the movie. And even then, Mia tells him, like, whatever he threw him out that window for is between them. I have no idea. Like, yeah. I have no clue why he really threw him out there. The only thing he ever touched to mind was my hand. When he shook a wedding. Him. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I have never hung out with that guy. So I have no yeah. idea why he really threw him out the window. When you all get together, you're worse than a sewing circle. Yeah. <laughs> so great. That's so great. I love that line. That is true. Like, they, they are. They're real full of cheese, man. Like, at the beginning, <laughs> like they're just cheesemaying with each other. Like, like just talking about toilet. I wouldn't call a motherfucker fat. He's Simone. What's he going to do? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> he's got a glandular problem. <laughs> yeah. Like, just the water cooler conversations about the horrific shit that they do. Like, yeah. Is is just so fucking funny about that film. And like they do, they really do set up like we know we've already kind of been told, like, I don't know why he threw him out the window. Only Marcellus knows why he threw him out the window. Yeah. Okay. So he didn't throw him out for that. But the fact of the matter remains, they he believe threw a good. Samoan big fat dude out of a out window of fucking window and like he, now he talks funny <laughs> he single-handedly threw a samoan listen to those words he single-handedly <laughs> threw a samoan out of a freaking window if you don't know how big samoans are watch wrestling yeah <laughs> roman roman reigns is 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 a runt yeah he, that, that's a smaller one like roman yeah. reigns is one of the smaller ones dude like the and other like, men in my family are very large. Yeah, oh no shit. <laughs> and like, but the thing, the fact of the matter is like, the conversation remained. You believe Marcellus Wallace would do that. Yes. Because Marcellus Wallace does things like that. Yep. So like, what's he going to do to me if I let his wife OD and die right now? Yep. Like, exactly. that's a very real thought. It's a very real like, holy shit, dude. Like. I'm going to be a fucking grease spot. So you get that urgency, man. And that urgency is, is starting, uh, was started, uh, uh, was built 
starting from the very first scene of the movie. Right. And, like, and they, like, they really do set up what a monster Marcellus Wallace is. Every scene lead, leads into the other one, and, and it's brilliantly done. Now, let's get... I, I, I want to talk about the final section, because this is... Um, it's the best section of the movie, mm. and it it puts every it brings everything together in in this perfect little package. Yeah. Now, when you when when we last left these guys, mm. uh, uh, Jules and and uh, and uh, um, and Vince, mm. they are they are leaving leaving the apartment, just you know escaping the grips of death from a yeah. Problem. and they shoot they shoot poor poor marvin poor marvin oh my god dude i feel so sorry dude for marvin but a real funny story mar uh phil omar still has that that dummy that dummy of his dummy head he he still has that dummy head in his house. That's fucking awesome. He kept he kept he kept and he brings it out every Halloween. By the way, if you've ever <laughs> watched an if you've ever watched an animated movie or played a video game, you've heard Phil Lamar. Yes, and like, movies and video games. Everywhere. No idea. Like, did you know that he voiced <clears throat> Vamp in Metal Gear Solid Two? I did. Yes, I did know. Uh, he was Samurai Jack. Yep. Um, also Aquaman in a lot of the DC cartoons. Yeah, and he's probably most famously known as Hermes, Hermes Conrad yeah. from uh, Futurama. Futurama, yeah. But th- this guy has a million, a million voice voice acting credits, and he is uh, um, as prolific as he is on screen. He's way more prolific in the voice acting, and he's, he's, he's considered he's, a legend. Yeah, he's a legend in the voice acting community. Yeah, like he's, he's a great comedy actor. Like yeah. He's terrific. Dude, his 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 hyperactive delivery guy on Matt I was TV. just thinking that. <laughs> I was just thinking the hyper mailman in yeah. Matt TV. Like, oh my god, what a funny fucking character that was. You have got to be in some type of tip top shape in order to do that shit. Like, considering that the mailman that knocked on my door as we were recording this podcast to drop off my package looked so fucking tired and annoyed. Like. <laughs> He had this look on his face like you had to order something in a big box and be upstairs, huh? Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't want to be up here either. Try bringing groceries up here, motherfucker. Yeah. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Give me my fucking toy. But, like, you never meet no zippy mailman like that. Like, nope. I've, I, I've always loved that gimmick. I love that character. Yeah. And, like, Philip so- Mars is such a fucking terrific actor, man. He really is. <laughs> so we go... So... They have no choice. They're in the middle of they're like a, a, in the middle of LA traffic in broad daylight. <laughs> so, so they end up in um, in Quentin Tarantino's home. Yeah, Jimmy. The Bonnie situation is what this is called. Yeah, the Bonnie okay. situation. Who, by the way, um, again, he offered this role to uh, to Pam to Pam Greer, and she turned it down. <laughs> <laughs> Chinga, dude. Because because um, Tarantino said uh, there was only really like because uh, Bonnie was supposed to have a bigger role, right? Yeah. And he yeah. said there's only one woman that that Jimmy would be scared of, and that's Pam Greer. Yeah. <laughs> Which is such a fucking like, yep. I yeah. believe it. So because like, Jimmy was indifferent to like the whole situation, like yeah, like he had the balls dude to talk like th- this th- and, and this is another great example of story building of of of, of world building dude 
the way he talks to both Vince and Jules yeah. shows the history that they have. Yeah. You know, and he's not afraid of this. This is no. their fucking problem. Yeah. And how nice they're trying to talk to him. Yeah. You know? Some serious gourmet shit. I know it's serious gourmet shit. I buy it. Bonnie, buy shit. I buy yeah. stuff. <laughs> when Bonnie goes shopping for the coffee, she gets shit. Yeah. yeah I get the serious gourmet good shit. I know, I'm the I one know how good my coffee is. <laughs> like, I, and I love that, dude. That whole, like, quit fucking, like, fluffing me, dude. Yeah. Like, get your shit and get the fuck out of here. Like, you know what's going to happen if she gets here? I'm going to get fucking divorced. Do you understand me? Not a fucking trial separation, a fucking divorce. And I don't want to get divorced, Jules. I fucking love my wife. (laughs) Yeah. I love that whole situation, dude. Like, I'm not afraid of you or Marcellus Wallace. I'm afraid of my fucking wife who's coming on a double shift at the hospital. Like, that bitch scares me. Yeah, he's not scared of Marcellus. He's not scared of it. He is scared of his wife. And, and like that, the worst you assholes can do is kill me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you don't scare me. Like, and you don't have the balls. balls to kill me. Yeah. You don't have the balls to kill me. Like, wow, dude. Like, like this is like some John Wick shit, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah, right? Like the cop showing up, like, you back on the job, John? Like, yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, dude. And I love that. It was one of the, I've always wondered, like, what the fuck did Jimmy do? Yeah. Like, right. who was Jimmy that everybody's real nervous around him? Because that even because <laughs> Vincent doesn't talk back to him. Vincent talks no. back to the wolf. Yeah. You don't say shit to Jimmy. Yeah. J- Vincent's just sitting there drinking his coffee like, oh, mommy and daddy are having a fight. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's all you, dude. I didn't want to come here. <laughs> like, I, I fucking, like, he had this look on his face like, I would have fucking taken him anywhere. I'd have rather taken his body to the police station than bought him here. Right. So uh, we are introduced to quite possibly the coolest character in this whole movie. Freaking Harvey Keitel as the wolf. The wolf, dude. He's like, you live out there? What's that? 10 minutes away? No, what is that? 30 minutes away? I'll be there in 10. Nine minutes and 56 seconds later. That's the way he drives, dude. Like, yeah, dude. <laughs> I'm like, and nobody pulls you over? Like, fascinating. <laughs> it's like, so crazy, dude. And, like, right away, dude, he's like, okay, gentlemen, I talk fast. I talk, I talk, uh, I talk straight. I talk fast, you know? And, and he, right away, you, you go, go clean up the car. You get, get towels, get everything, blah, 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 you know? And, like, he did nothing, dude. <laughs> That's my favorite thing about the wolf. Did you notice that? Yeah. yeah. He, did he doesn't nothing. touch anything. The only like, thing he touched was that coffee cup. Yeah. Like that's How a, do you like, like your coffee? Lots of cream, lots of sugar. <laughs> Jimmy, I smelled coffee when I walked in here. Is there a cup? Uh, yeah. I think it was lots of cream and lots of sugar. <laughs> like, that's yeah. it. Like he didn't And even Jimmy was like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Like, even Jimmy's afraid of the wolf. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what's the hierarchy like around here, dude? <laughs> and it's fine. Like, that's all you had to say, man. You didn't tell me you were sending the wolf shit. Yeah. Like, everybody's calm once they hear the wolf is coming. So a lot and of like, people, a lot he of people, did nothing. Like, a lot of people, uh, uh, I remember uh, we're talking like, like about continuity errors saying that what's he doing at a at a uh, at a gambling thing or at a party at at, at uh, 10 o'clock in the nine ten o'clock in the morning and the answer is they've been there all night dude yeah like they haven't slept yet yeah they haven't slept that's what i assumed yeah and like they're and, still partying from the night before and it's kind of brilliant man because like 
this guy's no nonsense and and they get it done pretty easily like there's really no problem at all after he shows up right? <laughs> he just gets like, it done he comes in they they clean it up and they explain how they got into those ridiculous those ridiculous outfits in the uh, in the bar when they show up <laughs> earlier in the movie they you look know? like dorks <laughs> you're clothes motherfucker you're clothes motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> i love that line yeah. you're clothes motherfucker <laughs> yeah but i mean it, it it's it, it's such a brilliant ending dude oh my god man like it's 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 tension filled without being tension filled yeah like you know nothing's really gonna happen yeah but like this is important to the story it's like, it's important it... to the story because it it it's uh i i think it solidifies their relationship yeah you know? and it solidifies the the what what kind of business they're in you know yeah and it further cements the fact that jules wants out <laughs> garcon means boy that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. song coffee so you can hear okay so they go from here to the uh to the diner uh because they want to get some breakfast and it's so funny because like you see this scene from their point of view but at the beginning of the movie when you're talking to pumpkin and honey bun yeah they like you can hear jules and vince talking as well yeah yeah oh which is brilliant on the sound design yeah. you can hear them in the background from the sound yeah. design which is yeah. actually really smart like yeah like and, and and it's 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 a kind of depth that that only someone like Tarantino would would insist on, you know. Yeah, like, you, yeah. you didn't have to do that because because in, I, I didn't I didn't even notice that until like somebody pointed it out in a video about Pulp Fiction and like yeah. really and then and then I went back to my DVD uh, and I put it in and I put it in that specific scene. Yeah, and I put my ear to the speaker. I'm like, oh shit, that's right. You can hear them barely. Yeah, you can hear like, them like on the very, very bottom, but yeah, like they're there. way down there, but you can hear them. Like the it's audio crazy. is still there, which is yeah. fucking wicked. You know what I mean? Like, there's no, there really is no world building like that anymore, man. Like, the, the, when they, when they build stuff like that now, it's very like on purpose. You know what I mean? Like, nobody has that natural way of building that kind of mood anymore. Like, and and it leads it leads to uh it, it it you see what happens after after they get up and they they threaten everybody you know I know you want to fuckers move and I'll execute every last one of you right mm -hmm. and Samuel Jackson delivers quite possibly my favorite like quote out of any movie dude because throughout the whole movie actually he only says it once. Mm -hmm. The uh, the Ezekiel, the Ezekiel twenty five twenty five yeah uh, twenty five seventeen, right? Mm -hmm. And he says uh, uh, the path of the righteous man is beset on all sides by the inequities of the selfish and tyranny of evil men, right? Mm -hmm. Like it, it's like like the Bible, like straight out the Bible. But it's funny yeah. because this 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 passage is nowhere in the Bible. It's no. actually not in the Bible. <laughs> no, Tarantino wrote this passage himself, yeah. dude. Yeah. Like, I, was, I, 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 I found that out when I was like 16. Yeah. I actually read the Bible. I was like, yo, where is the path of the rich yeah. story? I and read like, the Bible like, there's no Ezekiel 2517. This isn't what. <laughs> yeah, and then I ended up reading that up and like I found out like, yeah, that's not in the Bible. Like he made yeah. that up. And I'm like, oh, well, I feel <laughs> stupid. Like, yeah. <laughs> Well, now I read the stupid book for nothing. <laughs> yeah, I, know, right? I got nothing out of this. Two thumbs down. 
<laughs> so and then like he finishes it off with <laughs> yeah, the movie's better. Yeah, <laughs> Little Women was a better book. Yeah. But, uh, it was. And then, <laughs> sorry. He he, uh, he ends it with and and this this is like like the great closing to his character. Um, he goes. Uh, um, he 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 starts he starts saying like now I'm thinking maybe it means that you're the evil man and I'm the righteous man and Mister Nine Millimeter here is a shepherd protecting my righteous ass in the valley of darkness. Mm-hmm. But then but then he has this revelation and he says, the truth is you're the weak, and I'm the tyranny of men, but I'm trying real hard to be the shepherd. Yeah, and that, my friend, is the message of this movie, dude. Yeah, you have these just like the worst of the worst villains. But are they able to be saved? Like, can they come out of that and become good men? Yeah, that is a question that this movie is trying to to answer. And I think that's the ultimate message that they're trying to do. You know, what do you think about that, dude? It, it makes the most sense. Like, it, it is, like again, it's one of those, you find yourself rooting for the bad guys. But like I had said, when I was talking about Better Call Saul, like, even bad guys need redemption and even bad guys need representation. Mm-hmm. And, like, there is a certain sense of, like, can we walk back from this? Yeah. Like, can can you be the bad guy this long and, and walk away from that world? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's that that whole prison thing, you know, you come out of jail and a lot of people like go back to doing what got them there in the first place. Yeah. Like, because it's all they know how to do. Yeah. And like, if this is all he knows how to do, like, can he be a good man if all he knows how to be is a bad guy? Yeah. Like, it's such an interesting, it's what he does best. Like, like, what he does best is a bad thing. Right. And it's such a fucking wild and interesting notion. Mm -hmm. Um, I adore everything about this scene. Yeah. Uh, this movie, everything about it is just so fucking phenomenal. Uh, they don't make films like this anymore. They haven't, no. they didn't make them before. They haven't made them since. Like, not even Tarantino makes some movies like this anymore. Like, uh, his movies are much more epic nowadays. Yeah. Like, th- I don't, this I don't think you can, movie. yeah, I don't think you can do, um, something like this again. Uh, I say that, but then like, uh, I mean, I've maintained for a while. Mike Doherty did it with Trick or Treat. Yeah. Uh, if you were to cut Trick or Treat chronologically, it wouldn't be as good. No, it wouldn't. Uh, uh, it has to be um, out of order and organized the way it is for it to be as good as it is. Yeah. Um, this movie is only as good as it's edited. Because uh, yeah. like I said, they've edited this in chronological order. It makes far less sense and it's nowhere near as good yeah nowhere near as good um and the story is still there you can still watch and learn all the things that you learn from pulp fiction but it's not there it's not the same movie it has to be this kind of order and like they don't there's filmmakers don't make stuff like this anymore yeah and this movie was um, edited by um, the late great Sally Menke, yeah, who was nominated, I think, at least like four or five times for her editing. 
Yeah. I mean, she edited Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. She edited Reservoir Dogs, Four yeah. Runes, Mulholland Falls, like all of all of Tarantino's movies. Four Runes. Uh, God, I love that movie. Yeah. That's another movie that 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 we need to talk about because that's that's one of those anthology movies. Yeah. Where like each, each section is, is directed by a different director. My buddy Hector showed me that film. Like I'd yeah. never heard of it. Like he gave me the DVD and he was like, You gotta watch this dude. And I'm like, I'm in. Like, I've yeah. never heard of this film. And like I watched it. I'm like, what a fucking bizarre, like <laughs> I was like, I feel like David Lynch watched this and he was like, Exactly. Just that I understood everything. <laughs> I this movie gets me. It gets me in a way that nobody has ever gotten me before. Get out of my head, four rooms. <laughs> yeah, it's about right. Yeah, but uh, anyway, man. Yeah, dude. Um, all the, all the, all the, all most of the credit. Uh, Tarantino and Sally Menke made a brilliant freaking movie. Uh, a movie that I still watch to this day, no matter what. Um, and I, I, I can't thank this movie or Quentin Tarantino enough because I don't think with, with I don't think without this movie I wouldn't be as big a movie buff as I am there are two filmmakers that I believe are like my like speak to me personally mm-hmm. and it's Quentin Tarantino and Kevin Smith I feel that those two directors speak to me in a way that no other director speaks to me and, yeah. and I don't and I don't say that lightly either you know, no, most definitely. I've always, that's why I'm an avid defender of like Kevin Smith films. Uh, I make fun yeah. of of Yoga Hosers a lot, mm-hmm. and I mean it when I tell you. If I suggest you watch Yoga Hosers, it's because you did something that made me not like you. It's not a good movie. No, it's, it's not. But but that but, doesn't I take mean, anything away from who Kevin Smith is as a director, yeah. and for making the type of movies that he did, creating the type of dialogue that he did, yeah. um, and making a movie like Clerks. And all of a sudden making the nerd and the geek like cool. Yeah. Like, it was one of those things where I remember watching Clerks and thinking to myself, like, dude, I am cool. Yeah. Like, right? fuck that. Like, like I'm am, not the I'm, only one. Oh my God. Yeah. I was <laughs> like, I am cool. Like, as if uh, Randall's cool. And like, I adore Randall. Randall's my nihilistic hero. Yeah. Like, even in that moment where he's like, you know, I'm your hero. Like you are, Randall. Like you yeah. fucking are. Like if title dictated behavior, I would have never been able to spit water at that guy. Like I've, <laughs> I've, I've quit jobs in grand fashion because I've told myself that's what Randall would do. Yeah. At this age, don't do that. Do not take inspiration from fucking <laughs> clerks. If you like, think that's gross, check this out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's the type of fucking horrific shit I would do when I wanted to quit a job. Like, yeah. I didn't care. I was like, fire me, motherfucker. Like, I don't give a shit. Yeah. Like, it all came from that. It all came from wanting to be Randall. Like, Kevin Smith Everybody wants been... to be Randall, dude. It, yeah. Everybody wants to be... Like, any, any time Kevin somebody Smith, talks shit... Kevin Smith wrote Randall for himself. But he didn't want to say all the dialogue. <laughs> yeah, he was like, I wrote way too much dialogue. I could never yeah. do that. Yeah. And so, like, he, so he went the exact opposite direction. And he came... I would have, too. Yeah. I would to see a smart director would cast himself in a silent role. That's exactly what I would do. Yeah. And exactly. see, like my the directors that have always spoken to me have always been Kevin Smith and like the perfectionism of Kubrick have yeah. always been my like I I'm not one for perfectionism because I don't think you can achieve it. And then I watched Stanley Kubrick movies and I was like, oh yeah, no, you. Yeah, let, let me rephrase that. You can't achieve it. Yeah. Kubrick could. 
Yeah, I always thought I always thought Alexander Payne was was part of that for me too, but uh-huh. uh, honestly, uh, I can only watch like three of his movies. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I, I think I think Sideways is is like one of my top five favorite movies because right. I I unironically relate to Paul Giamatti's character. I on, think on a, I, on a level that I've never been able to relate to any other character. I think a lot of us do just that, that, that tiresome, frustrated human. Yeah. Like that was he, like in my twenties, dude. Like I was in my twenties when I saw uh, Paul Giamatti's character. And I'm like, yeah, that's me. I was in my I'm, fucking twenties, dude. I'm, I am, noti- <laughs> I am noticing more and more. <laughs> I'm noticing more and more that nihilism, um, is taking over younger and younger people. And that's a hundred percent due to capitalism. I don't give a fuck what you or anybody else think. Like, that's I'm just not gonna the argue truth. That point. I'm not going to argue that point because, uh, I agree with you, dude. I totally yeah. agree. With that part, Capitalism, you know? Capitalism is eating this fucking world alive. And like, you know, not to Ted talk you guys or anything like that. It's just the truth. And like you, you grow more and more, to accept and like and appreciate nihilistic characters who are indifferent to the ridiculousness of the surroundings because you want more and more to believe that that would be you in that situation. Yeah. Um, that you would have the courage to do something like that. <laughs> yeah. Everybody wants that. And because we live in such a nihilistic world where we fucking buy things that, that like give us temporary brain fixes, like a fucking Batman who laughs with sky tyrant wings. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, like you buy these things because mm. capitalism like well you know what it's the only thing that's working it's the only thing that's shooting endorphins into my brain because literally everything else sucks yeah like so like i'm I'm looking i'm looking at this at this sound wave figure yeah that i that i bought for five bucks right mm-hmm. and i and if i put it on ebay i can easily earn 90 dollars from it because it's so rare yeah you know and- and it's the, I, I get the same way because like I just bought this one for forty bucks and people have been asking like seventy, sixty dollars for it. Yeah. And I got it for that's 40. capitalism, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. And then there's that part of me that's like, yeah, I mean, I could turn around and sell it, and I'm like, I'm not gonna be an asshole. It's the same thing like when I, I took a picture of my uh, my wrestling figure arts figures uh-huh. and I put them on a forum and some guy said, hey, I'll give you three hundred bucks for those, and I said no because in two years you'll give me five for them. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm not wrong though like I'm not wrong like in two years somebody will offer me 500 for them okay. and like maybe then I'll sell them until then like they'll sit on my shelf like but like right now like no I know how much that they're 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 only going to go up in value at some point yeah like they're figure arts they don't so, make a lot of them. so on that note ladies and gentlemen we've gone a little over our time but uh, it's Tarantino man it was worth it guys Most right definitely. now Right now, Pulp Fiction is available on HBO Max. If you haven't seen it, do yourself a favor. Uh, go watch it. You it's haven't seen so, it. What's wrong with you? I know. I know, right? But I'll tell you one thing, man. If you haven't seen it, do yourself a favor and watch it with somebody who has seen it. Yeah, and most definitely. Like, because I guarantee you, anybody who's a fan of Tarantino, anybody who's a fan of Pulp Fiction, uh, wants to experience... That the was joy someone who's never seen it. Yeah, of watching a Tarantino Pulp Fiction movie uh, for the first time. Again. Most definitely, man. 
So uh, with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we'll be back next week with another a brand new episode of the Movie Know-It-All podcast. So we'll keep you guys posted. Let us know uh, what your favorite uh, Tarantino movie is uh, down in the in the uh, whatever section that you, you know, send us a message or something, man. And I'll yeah, tell yeah. you what, guys. I'll tell you what, guys, if you guys have a, a YouTube show or your own podcast or anything that you guys uh, are doing oh. that has any relation to do with movies, let, let us know. know and we'll give you a shout out, man. Big time. We'll give you a shout out to our to our tens of millions of listeners that we have all around the world. Trillions and I, even. And I am not uh, telling any tales out of school when I say that either. No, not but at all. That being said, Bob, I'm Bob. Where where can people hear our wonderful podcast. Uh, you can find us wherever fine podcasts are sold. We're still on Podbean and Apple Play. Uh, you can still check us out at the Movie Know It All podcast. You can find us at rgvtitanradio.com. Listen to us every week at five. What is this? Mm-hmm. A Wednesday? I love Wednesdays. We're on yeah. Wednesday at five, man. Like you got to check us out. We kick ass, man. Yep. And if you and if by any chance you miss the uh, the live. Uh, the live broadcast of the Movie Know It All podcast. You can always uh, record old e- or download old episodes on Podbean. All of our old episodes and Spotify. Absolutely, get a get a playlist. Get a, get playlist. a playlist going, man. I know yeah, I man. do. Yeah. I, I jam, do. I like to listen to myself talk. I'm interesting. Damn right. So, <laughs> with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that was the uh, Movie Know It All podcast here on RGV Time Radio. I'm Will. I'm Bob. And we will see you guys next week. Later. Later. Are you looking for great local music? Then tune in to RGVTitanRadio.com. We play everything local, like hip-hop, rock, and country. If you want your music played on our radio station, then send your music to playmymusic at rgvtitanradio.com. Once more, that's playmymusic at rgvtitanradio.com. Be sure to send MP3 files that include the names of the track, album, and band or artist along with cover art. rgvtitanradio.com. We are the 956.